Blog Talk Radio.
I want to welcome everyone, all of you, to another episode on this Five Foodstone Network. I'm Brother Seth, and you're tuned in to a very, very informative, powerful, uplifting, possibly a show that is even lined with comedy here and there. But we're serious tonight, folks, as we talk about mass incarceration, the black church, and the Israelites. I want to thank every single one of you, every single one of you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Folks, listen, tonight um, we have a very exciting, um, how can I say it, busy. This is one of the busiest sisters I know of over on that East Coast, and that is Minister One Love Chica Alston. You have to say her name slow. Minister One Love. That literally is her name, One Love. You spell it O-N-L-E-I-L-O-V-E, Minister One Love, so nobody should have trouble pronouncing her name tonight. Uh, One Love, Chica Alston, uh, and she's going to be in the house. She's already in the house. And uh, matter of fact, those of you that come to the show, I go to press one, and I'll get to you as soon as possible. We have a panel full of people tonight, a, a panel full of, uh, I believe, folks to listen to the most high and that are, care about our people and care about our cause and about the Father's business. We ain't perfect tonight. Obviously, we ain't perfect. We ain't got it like that. Uh, none of us are. But I tell you one thing, we know somebody that's perfect, and uh, he lives in us. And if we just submit to his voice, to that the Ruach HaKadosh, we call it, meaning you call it the Holy Spirit. If we submit to that spirit, yeah, we're something to, be, to something to deal with, not just mere men when we are under the influence of being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's what my goal is. I'm, I don't always do a good job in it. I don't. I don't. Sometimes I'm just as carnal, fleshly, as the next person. But I really, really, really have tried my best to live a life where I'm uh, walking love for all people and respect for all people. Now, I have some tough love for some of y'all, but it's nevertheless love. Let me go ahead and read the show description because some of y'all just called the phone number. You don't really know what's going on. Um, as a matter of fact, I invited some neighbors to listen. They may be listening. If they are listening, I want to shout out to uh, my neighbors. You know who you are. I'm going to call y'all a name out. But uh, hopefully you're listening. Just got a chance to talk, kind of get a little deep into some things uh, with some brothers that are good brothers who I care about in our, in our neighborhood. So let me just go ahead and read the show description, folks. Let me read the show description. All right. This I sent out to many of you earlier. Of course, the title of the show is Mass Incarceration, the Black Church, and the Israelite. Mass Incarceration, the Black Church, and the Israelite. I want to say many men leaving prison are now born-again Israelites, or they have converted to what we call Hebrew Israelites. In cases of innocent men locked up, what the wicked meant for evil, the Most High still got his glory in those converts' lives. One more time. In the cases of innocent men locked up, what the wicked men that had to do with them going to prison unjustly, what they meant for evil, the Most High still got glory out of their lives because now they are new converts. As their loved ones continue to intercede for them while they was in prison. I went on to say, then there are those guilty of crimes and who have become aware of their true heritage while serving time. We're going to be talking about them tonight. But I went on to say, tonight, guest, minister one love for the rights of all those incarcerated. 
She has also worked to awake those incarcerated to their true identity. Minister One Love is educated. She's an educated author who wears many hats, really. Well, to say that she has a powerful, must-hear testimony of how Yah, or God, woke her up in a traditional black church to her true identity as an Israelite. Now, I shouldn't say black church, but y'all know what I mean if I say that. I went on to say, finally, her travels and work have taken her to Scotland, England, Switzerland, Israel, Ghana, Nigeria, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Martin, Morocco, and Togo. Early on in Minister One Love's life, she grew up poor in the foster care system and experienced homelessness. So you don't have some guest on that can't understand where you're at. She's been in the high places and the low places. One more time. Early on in Minister One Love's life, she grew up poor in the foster care system and experienced homelessness and other setbacks. But with the help of y'all, we call the Most High Yah or Yahweh. She overcame and will be our guest tonight, sharing alongside our panel and national callers. Folks, we're about to get it as the streets say popping up in here, okay? I really do appreciate Sister One Love for coming on. I really appreciate this sister, um, her spirit. I've had the opportunity to kind of do a little. Uh, research on her, and uh, she uh, she had been really, really busy. I mean, really busy. I mean, for a young person, I know I know she's not my age. I'll just go the safe route. She has really been out there doing some things. I mean, really, uh, from getting uh, degrees and wow. Anyway, I can't wait to bring her on. But let's do this before I do that. Uh, Cover a few more things, and then we're going to bring on our moderator, Sister Eliana Badia. We'll be moderating the show tonight, and uh, and then we'll bring on uh, our, uh, our Sister Eliana. After I'll bring on Sister Eliana here in a second. I'm trying to do 15 things here at one time. We'll bring on uh, the panel, and then the sister Sharon tonight. And again, I want to thank my neighbors if they are tuned in, because these brothers really are seeking for truth, and a lot of them already have truth. And I just want to thank them for tuning into the show tonight, along with many of you who have been following us, following us since 2011. We really appreciate it. And by the way, Minister One Love says that this show, this very show right here that y'all listen to, the Five Foot Phone Network, is one of the first shows she listened to when she began to, as they could say in the streets, wake up, or, or when she was awoke. So when the sister begins to find out who she, she who she is and who she is, she started tuning into the Five Foot Stone Network. So you're going to get to see. Maybe she'll talk a little bit about some of the older shows, some of the shows that blessed her. Sister, um, I'm putting you on point there. If you can, please put that in your in your presentation. But maybe we would like to know how, or just in just maybe in a couple of minutes, no more than a couple of minutes, what, what are some of the things you learned from the Five Foot Stone? Uh, put that in your notes if you don't mind, please, if you don't mind. All right, so listen, folks, really quickly, follow the show, follow the show, follow the show, that link that I sent to you, click on that button that says, that says follow, and just follow us. Uh, many of you have been following us, like I said, since 2011. We really appreciate it. we got uh, followers all over the world, really, Israel, uh, just all over the world. I'm not going to go through the, the different states, so we do appreciate it. Um, make sure we cover everything. Uh, I think we got everything. I think we got everything. I think we got everything. Uh, let's see here. Okay. 
that's one other thing I want to say. Uh, for those of you that missed the show last week, uh, it was a doozy talking about the new world order, one world government, uh, a little bit of COVID-19, uh, just some things that happened to you and yours, basically. Folks, we got to understand the book of Revelation because we're living it out. I do believe this is the end of the time. This is the end of time for one empire. I know America is, is falling, folks. America's going to fall. And uh, we talked about that because uh, we believe America is Babylon, spoken of in the book of, book of Revelation. And there's same things that's going to happen to this wicked whore. And like any other whore, like any other whore, America, too, will find herself on her back. Destroyed. That's what happened to all whores. So just know that. If you love this country, then pray for mercy and start with yourself and try to turn from wickedness because America is going to fall according to prophecy. And there's nothing we can do about that, but we can pray for the Father's mercy and you can pray for protection for you and your family. Okay, so that was last week's show. We went into a lot. We went into that in depth on last week. And the way you get that show is you simply Google Five Smooth Stone, Blog Talk Radio, and you will be able to get that show. All right? I want to go ahead and bring on Sister Eliana pretty quickly here. So let's just play just a bit doing this little lady, just a little bit of, little bit of uh, 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 yeah, I know I've been playing the group a lot since they, their name is kind of hot right now. And, and uh, a, a, a family that I got the chance to meet and I know that live the life they, they sing about. So that's one reason I play this song. So, all right. So let's see here. It was something else. Okay. Here we go, folks. This is called Awake, 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 O Zion. And I, we believe that the people of uh, African-American descent, or who we call African-Americans, are indeed the true, one of the lost tribes of Israel. And uh, that's one of, one of the five smooth stones we, we like to share. Five smooth stones mean the five topics we talk about all the time on this show. One of those stones is the revelation of who the true Jews are. And we believe African Americans are one of them, and so do our guest minister, One Love. Uh, excuse me. Um, right, Minister One Love. And that's what we're going to be calling her tonight. She has a longer name, of course, Minister One Love, Chica Alston. But tonight, uh, the minister will be Minister One Love. And I, but um, that's one of the things she heard about with those earlier shows, is we just constantly uh, went into the scriptures. And speaking of the earlier shows that, that blessed us, uh, Minister One Love and others, Again, Google Fox and Stone Blog Talk Radio and the phrase Hebrew Israelite. You can listen to some of those shows that she was blessed to enjoy. But this song says, Awake, O Zion. Zion is another name for Israel, or the Jews are, again, one of the lost tribes of African Americans. So I'll uh, play just about a couple of seconds of this, and then we'll bring on the moderator. So here's the clock says, Awake, Zion. And, and uh, I play this song because that's what needs to happen. We need to awake, I mean, in the spirit. We need to come. Wake up out of our slumber uh, as this great, mighty nation, uh, the greatest nation ever walked on this earth, uh, for the most high put, put his personality into, his, his word into. And uh, no other nation, uh, uh, the book of Amos talks about, no other nation have he done this with. So, be right back, folks, shortly.
or take a plane or a bus or a boat or something and get up to Mercy, California and grab our moderator. Okay, Eric Cole is here, 209-682-6080. Your line is open. Welcome to the show, sister. I want to thank you for moderating the show tonight. Are you there? Yes, I am. And shalom, everybody. It's going to be a wonderful uh, show tonight, and I'm excited to be a part of what's going on. Yes, yes, yes. And we're so glad to have you, sister. And I uh, can't thank you enough. I know you You know you come on every week, and, and I probably should be used to you by now, but I uh, still want to thank you as, as though it's the first time. I really appreciate it. And uh, also, sister, uh, we have in the house... Uh, uh, Brother Chris, I can see his line, and Brother John is in the house. I don't see Ella Shure, but we'll look for him later. Let's go to Brother John first. Uh, Erica, 972-805. Brother John Clark, are you there? I am here. What's good, Brother Seth? Hello, Sister Eliana. Sister Eliana? Yeah. I think she's having trouble with her yes, phone. Yes, hello, shalom. I'm here. Okay. Shalom, everybody. Shalom, John. Okay. All right. Well, Brother John, it's, it's good to have you again back in the house uh, as a panelist. We really appreciate it, but we know you know I'm the moderator, but you just have done such a great job contributing in another way, and it's very unique, and I want to thank you for that, okay? No doubt. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phone lines quickly. We'll just move right along quickly and get on the one and only Pastor Alcee Chris of Alapia Temple. Pastor Chris, your line is open, sir. Say hello to the people. Hello, Eliana. Hello, Seth. Hello, John. Sorry I missed last week, but I'm glad to be here today. Praise Yahweh. And it's good to hear well, you. Hello, you as well. Yes, yes. Thank and you, Pastor Chris, uh, Pastor Chris, what's the name of your book again? Uh, A Walk Through the Valley, The Prevalence of People of African Descent in the Bible. Yes, yes. And I, I think, Sister, uh, you're going to find tonight... The, the uh, minister one uh, uh, only love. I believe I said one love earlier, <laughs> but it's definitely everybody uh, only love. Minister only love is uh, her uh, 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 travels to Africa. I think you're going to appreciate some of the things she's going to bring uh, because she have uh, spent time as uh, you probably already saw in the, in the show's bio in Togo and in, in, in Ghana and Nigeria and um, other parts of the world. Hopefully, uh, she'll get into. Uh, but anyway, let's go uh, at this time and just bring on the minister. I uh, don't see Ella Shue. I want him to be in the house, but I don't see him. So we're just going to go ahead and proceed with the program and uh, go all the way to New York and uh, open up line 718501. Minister Only Love, are you there? Yes. Good night, everyone, and shalom. I am here enjoying the Clark sisters, and thank you so much, Brother Seth, and to the whole panel and the Five Smooth Stone family for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm going to go ahead and turn the show into the, and over to the moderator. This is Sister Eliana Badia, and uh, y'all have actually a few things in common, the way uh, your show is set up uh, and some of the things you've done. Hopefully we'll get more into that, but... Go ahead and uh, uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself, and then um, uh, and then Sister Eliana, I'll, Sister Eliana, I'll just go ahead and put your hand. But but I want someone to read her bio. Do you, are you do you have the bio there, uh, Sister Eliana? 
I am looking for it. Um, okay. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Why are you looking at it? Let's know you get it. But uh, I just wanted to say this to everyone. Um, uh, the sister has an extensive bio, and I just wanted to get that definitely out to the people. And then out to Sister Eliana reached the bio, Sister uh, 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 Minister Only Love. And, I mean, that literally is her name. Uh, uh, t- tell everybody a little bit about your name, how you got there really quick, and then I'll, I'll finish what I was saying. Just, just about your name really quick, Only Love. That's very unique. Yeah, so thank you so much. So my full name is Only Love, like I only love you, Chica also. So Only Love was given to me by my mother and my Aunt Frida. I was the first child and ended up being my mother's only girl. And um, they wanted something with love in it, and they bounced around names until they got to only love. And then Chica was originally given to me by my father because I have fat cheeks like a chickmunk. But it's actually in the Igbo language, which are one of the Hebrew tribes in Africa. It means God is supreme or God is above all. I learned decades later what my name really meant as I was researching that tribe for um, the teaching ministry in the book. And then um, in the Ewe language, or Ewe, as many people call them from Ghana, which is another um, Hebrew tribe in Africa, it means gold yeah. or wealth. And then I learned in um, Botswana that it means um, princess. So my father laughs now because a great deal of my research and my travels are around the evil people, and I've been to Ghana often, and um, every time I go to Ghana, and it's an Eve person who is either the tour guide or the, or the driver, so my father's just, like, laughing because it was almost like the name was a prophecy. And my family is from here, from Brooklyn by way of the south, and I live in Harlem, so, you know, Nigerian people are always like, how did you get this name? And then my last name, Alston, is the name of a very prominent English family that came to America, and they became one of the top slave, top ten slave-owning families in the nation. And so there's a book and a documentary called um, Family Name that was featured on the Oprah Winfrey Show, and there are many African Americans with the last name Alston, some related by blood, some not, but now we're all related um, through what we went through. And so that is the whole story of my name. But I say my name shows um, a little bit about my life. So that is my name. That's not my, like, pen name or my, you know, Hebrew name. That is actually my my name, Only Love. Very unique. And I heard you say in another interview, as I did a little research on you, that your parents did not name you your her kids when they were born. She waited to see mm-hmm. how they would behave. Is that true? Yeah, so my mother would not did not name any of her kids while they were in the womb. Everyone got named after they were born. And so you would have your last name on your birth certificate, but you could go like a few weeks or even a few months without a name. So I actually helped name my oldest little brother, Christopher, which means Christ-like, and then um, the rest were named, you know, after they were born. But it's, um, But when you look at um, many of the Bible characters from the Hebrew people, the kids are named after they're born, like Judah, now I will praise him. So, yes, um, that was what my mother did intuitively because she actually wasn't a religious person. So it was just the hand of 
Yahweh on um, his, you know, on her children's lives. So I'm grateful for her. That's powerful, powerful, powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Uh, my lines kind of not dropped, but had a little delay to apologize for that. Well, Sister Eliana, the show is in your hand, and I would like for t- the All sister right. to go in uninterrupted for about maybe 15 minutes because she really, really have a, done a lot. And, um, again, folks, we're talking about mass incarceration, the black church, and hopefully she'll talk about her 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 experience in the black church and how the father called her into a, um, I don't want to put down the black church because there's a lot of good things they're doing, but there were some limits there until she learned that who she was in terms of Israelites. And we know that with the Israelites, there's, it ain't all peach cream there either, but uh, we, we're trying our best to please this, this, this most high. And so, Sister uh, Leonis, the show is in your hand. Go right ahead. All right. Well, welcome, Sister Omelette. And I'm going to, I have down your bio, and I'm going to read it out for all of our listeners. And uh, so um, it says that um, our guest speaker, Minister Only Love, and it's pronounced Only Love, Sita Alston, founder of Prophetic World Wind, was born and raised in East New York, Brooklyn. Only Love is also a community organizer, speaker, and writer. Hold on a second, because only reason I because you be talking a long, long time. Your line is a little blurry. We can hear you, but it's a little blurry. I don't know if you have also a speaker or something, but you normally know come in really clear, so it's something different going on. We can hear you with a sound kind of like this. Can you hear me better now? There you go. Whatever you Am do, I better? There. Yes. Go right ahead. Okay. All righty. So um, having experienced poverty and homelessness, she has developed a compassion for people fueled by her passion for justice and known and knows that the gospel is truly good news to the poor. Even in the midst of difficulties at 10 years old, her spiritual journey started with feeling led to pray and read the Psalms morning, noon, and night. At 14 years old, she walked into a Brooklyn congregation and accepted Yahshua as her redeemer. After her life-changing experience with Yahshua, she began who want to take the good news to her community. After receiving her bachelor's degree in human development with a minor in African-American studies from Penn State University, she completed a year of service with AmeriCorps Public Allies New York. In 2011, she received her Master of Divinity and Master of Social Work degrees from Union Theological Seminary and Columbia University School of Social Work, respectively. For over a decade, Only Love worked as a faith-rooted community organizer and advocate. In 2018, she founded her Wisdom Consulting, where she consults with nonprofits, NGOs, and companies on women's leadership, faith-based organizing, diversity, and inclusion. Her writing has been featured in Sojourners Magazine, HuffPost Religion, The Black Commentator, and NPR's On Being blog, as well as in part, I'm sorry, as well as in other print and online publications. Only Love served as the second executive director at Pico Faith in New York, where she led a multiracial and multi-faith organization, federation of 70-plus congregations representing 80,000 New Yorkers who are working to build the beloved city 
where all the creator's children can live in dignity. She has completed the women's campaign school at Yale, the Collegeville Institute Fellowship, and the FPWA Faith and Justice Fellows Program. Only Love writes and lectures on the implicit bias of colorism and and its impact on African-American women, having developed a woman's theology of liberation and live free WOMB, women organizing out of mass incarceration and brutality. For the Faith in Action Network, in 2016, Only Love testified before the United Nations Working Group for People of African Descent on Mass Incarceration's Impact on Black Women and Girls. She does have an extensive bio, but in the interest of time, I would love for her to um, begin to share with us uh, around that topic of the mass incarceration uh, impact on black women and girls um, so that we can uh, move forward in the show. So I turn the, the time over to you, Minister Only Love. Hi, good night, and thank yes, you yes, all yes. for the warm welcome. It's always weird to have your bio read um, But I always say, um, I always share my testimony briefly that, you know, before any of the degrees, before the book, before the trip to Africa, I was just, you know, a girl in foster care who was formerly homeless, who at the age of 10, um, God, and you might hear me say Yah or Yahuwah or Yahweh, but I'm talking about the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, or you might hear me say Yahshua, I'm talking about who many call Jesus Christ um, of the scriptures. But when I was 10 and was living with my grandmother after being in traditional foster care because my stepfather lost his job and within a year we lost our home in Queens, lived in hotels, and then ended up living in homeless shelters. And throughout that year, myself and my 10-month-old little brother, I was seven, um, he was 10 months old, we were taken and placed into foster care. And my family has never been the same from that point. But I can say, thanks be to the father that, you know, my siblings are well, they're working, they're, um, you know, they have accepted Yahshua. But while, but I was not raised in the church. My father was in the nation of the five percenters. My mother was the only black atheist I knew. When I lived with my grandmother, she was no longer going to church, but I just picked up one of her Bibles and started reading and praying morning, noon, and night. And then at 14, my Aunt Frida, who helped name me, looked at me and said, someone needs to take this girl to church. So I went to, um, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, which is one of the seven neighborhoods in New York State that sends the most people to prison. And it was during the height of the crack epidemic. Um, But I went to a local National Baptist Church, Greater Bright Light Missionary Baptist Church, under the Reverend Dr. H. DeVore Chapman, who is since passed on, but I am grateful for him and Greater Bright Light because they welcomed me. He gave an altar call to accept Yahshua. I did. I went forward and that Sunday I accepted Yahshua, I, by the next Sunday, I was baptized, no, by that Tuesday, I was baptized, and by the final Sunday, the following Sunday, I was taking my first communion, 
And so my mother gave me a woman's devotional Bible. She was still in my wow. life, but unfortunately, using her child, using losing her children, really took a toll on her mentally and spiritually. But my grandmother was still, you know, allow her to see us, and she gave me a woman's devotional Bible at my baptism, and she gave me this Oxford annotated Bible dictionary. And she was a highly intelligent person, a much better writer than me. My book is um, dedicated to her. But, it, you know, someone would say, like, who would give a 14-year-old girl, like, an Oxford-educated, an Oxford um, Bible annotated dictionary, and how did this woman who was in the homeless system even be able to afford that? And I don't know. But when, fast forward, when I ended up at Union Theological Seminary to study Black Liberation Theology, that annotated Bible dictionary came in handy. And so I believe Yah had his hand on my life. I was a twin. My twin brother was still born. Um, I was not well enough to even leave the hospital um, when I was born, but Yah was always there. And that was when my awakening process started. So many um I refer to myself as a Messianic Hebrew, and I do not bash the black church because there are many things from the Hebrew culture embedded in the black church. And there have always been those voices crying out in the wilderness, the late Dr. James Cone, the founder of Black Liberation Theology, who was one of my professors. There have always been, um, like the man who wrote, you know, the Black Messiah, who founded the Shrine of the Black Madonna, There have always been those in the black church who knew who we were, but it was the prayers of, you know, our forefathers and our foremothers, those down-home prayers that I think made it possible for many of us to wake up. So one thing I say, you know, to many Hebrews is the black church is not our enemy. It's the system of white supremacy that is our enemy and that has created Assist, um, created a, a spirit that has deceived the whole world. So I still wow. um, do many workshops and partnerships in the black church. I'm a faith-based organizer. That did not change when um, I came into my Hebrew heritage because it was learning about the role of justice in scripture and reading verses like Isaiah 61 verses one to four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor we usually stop there, but if you read verses 3 and 4, it says, after the, hearing the good news, the poor will begin to build their communities. I knew that was true because I was the poor that heard the good news, but when I became born again, um, I actually wanted to help my community. So in high school, I was in something called the Seekers Club, which is a program of Urban Youth Alliance, which is um, – Nationwide, they have Bible college, Bible college and high school groups led by young people. And my group, I think, through all, one went to Oral Roberts, and then the other brother, he ended up at the same seminary as me. But um, what, what was special about those clubs is once they started realizing how many young people in urban environments were getting taken into the court system and the prison system, they start in an arm that is an alternative to incarceration program. That was the first, um, that was one of the first ministries I was ever a part of. Fast forward to this summer, I see a job 
where they're hiring a lead organizer to come in and build their advocacy and organizing department. And um, the arm that works on mass incarceration is Bronx Connect. Um, and I apply. And so now, right now, I'm working for the organization that um, has a branch that was the first ministry I was ever in. And they welcome me teaching the young people who have been involved in the system, the history. There is a young man who was caught up in the system and he's awakened to his Hebrew heritage. And he's even now, even though I tell him wear face mask and gloves, he's going out like witnessing to the young kids as someone who, you know, was in the system. So I share all of that, not to lift myself up, but to lift up Yah that, he has a purpose for us before our parents' womb. Our orders, our steps are ordered. Who would know that an organization I worked for and I was a part of in high school, I would now be helping to, um, you know, to build an organizing department for. And, they, you know, they respect when I take off of the Shabbats and the feasts. But, um, you know, I think if, um, as I awoken more to you know, who the Hebrews of the scriptures were, learning about Hebrews in Africa and how many of them lost people to the slave trade. I'm always grateful that I had a relationship with Yah through his son, the Messiah, the Christ, before I knew my identity. Because the fact of the matter is just knowing your identity will not redeem you. It's actually being reconciled to Yah through Yahshua that even allows you yes, to get yes. your status back as a Hebrew or to become grafted in if you're a Gentile. So, yes, knowing your heritage is very important, but knowing the one who gave you your heritage is even more important. So that I always like to share my testimony because we're saved by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Um, yes. I started, I, um, my organizing work was more, on um, economic justice issues, housing, worked on Hurricane Sandy. Um, but I started in about 2012 getting really grieved by our people being killed on camera and on the rising number of people in the prison system. What many don't know is that black men are the highest number of people currently in prison, but as far as the highest number of people entering for the first time is black women of childbearing age. So while they were taking away the brothers through the front door, they were taking away the sisters. Um, now there's a big battle in New York about whether pregnant women can be released from jail because in the jails they don't have masks, they don't have gloves, they can't socially distance, and we can even get wow. into what is happening. And so, you know, Revelation says as soon as the woman in the wilderness is giving birth, the dragon is there to devour it. And when you look at the Bible and the Hebrew people, every time an anointed child is supposed to be born, you have this thing where they're either trying to kill the boy children um, as soon as they're born, or they're even trying to prevent the children from being born. So there's a crisis in black maternal health that even impacted Serena Williams and Beyonce, where they almost, you know, either them and the child almost died or, you know, the child almost died. And they both gave interviews about that because when black women are giving birth in the hospital from Nigeria to America, they're just, you know, either the mother's dying or the child or both. 
And, you know, my mother had a set of twins in her first and last pregnancy, but each twin had a stillborn sibling, myself and my younger brother, Michael. So um, these are the things, when you look at the conditions of our people and you look at the prophecies, it's almost who's literally living the prophecies, who's Rachel crying for her children, but they're no more. You see black mothers giving press conferences, crying for their children who, you know, goes through the situation where their boys are targeted for death. You know, I always joke, I have all these degrees, but I always joke, you don't need a theology doctorate to just look at the scriptures and look at, the people. If you look at Matthew 25, who's hungry, who's thirsty, who's in prison, we know who those people are. And so, and Yahshua says in Matthew 25, what you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do unto me. When I would do faith-based justice work, they would quote what you do to the least of these, but they would leave out what you do. It's in the scriptures, actually what you do to the least of these, my brothers. And so he's literally saying, like, the least of these are his kin. And what you do to them, you'll be doing to him. And I, um, I, I don't want to say a scripture without bringing out um, the actual verse. So if you go to Matthew 25 um, and you go to 31, You can um, read that, but it says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So in my book, one of the last chapters, we're comparing Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46 to Deuteronomy and the curses, because the categories of the least of these, those who are hungry, thirsty, a stranger, which is a fancy, a fancy word for immigrant, those who didn't have clothes, those who were sick, those who were in prison, these are all conditions that the Israelites were prophesied to be under in Deuteronomy 28, as con- many call them curses, I call them consequences. I don't think the multis in heaven just zapping people. I think there are consequences um, to breaking his laws. And so if you compare those two chapters and you know that Yahshua was calling the least of these his brothers and some translations his brothers and sisters, then we see that he's talking about his literal kin. And so this is not just a metaphorical what you do to the least of these you're doing to him. This is a literal, like the least of these are going to be his brother and sister. And literally what you do to them you are doing to him. And so these are just some of the things that open, you know, my my eyes. But I'm going to pause here and just ask the panel, um, you know, if there's um, – I will just turn it back to the panel because I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, Sister that was so powerful. with her phone. Sister Eliana, everything okay with your phone? Everything is fine. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can't hear you that well, but go right ahead, sister. Okay, yeah. Um, like I was saying, that was that was very powerful to hear, and um, 
just so much information. Um, I want to open it up to um, to all of our brothers that are that are in the panel, Brother John and and, and Brother uh, Pastor Chris. Let's get some feedback on that. Brother John, Brother Chris, any feedback? But while they're thinking, I'll just go ahead and say to Sister, uh, I really just enjoy hearing you. Some of that I knew, some of that I didn't know. But uh, I do want you at some point to, if you could, talk about uh, uh, just these those incarcerated and the whole Israelite question. Like, um, just when you get a chance to share who they are to them, what are some of the responses, and do you know um, um, just 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 because I know a lot of brothers are coming out of the system, and they were converted to being Hebrew Israelite while in prison. So I want you to comment on that as well as the sisters whenever you get a chance. But, Brother uh, John, uh, you are Pastor Chris. Y'all can go right ahead as well. Let me make sure their line is open because uh, they're I'm, I'm, not. I'm, can you hear me? Yeah, go right ahead, Pastor Chris. I think your line was muted. Um, well, right I had some questions, but but I, I, you know, they were like about her her school union. She said she went to Union Theological Seminary. I just had some questions about that, but I I can ask her, you know, when the show is over. I don't want to, you know, cloud it up with that. But I will say that I'm very jealous that you had Dr. Cone as one of your teachers. Um, bless her. Blessings to you, brother, and bless you know, Doctor Cole. May he live shalom. But it is it is a blessing that I had him. But some days it didn't feel like because he was very tough. Him and my grandmother are literally born one day apart, and so one of the reasons wow. I moved from Brooklyn to Harlem is I the you know it would take me so long to get to class my first semester that I would be late or almost late, and he might lock the door. So I was so anxious mm-hmm. that I was like, I can't do this. I can't. I just got to live, like, right there. I'm not late. So he didn't play, and you had to write. He was very passionate about, um, and I'm just going to use the term everyone knows, but we, we know we're talking about, you know, genetic Hebrews, but he was passionate about black students being able to write. Um, and he yeah. said, you know, when yeah. he was in seminary, no matter how well he wrote, the papers would get marked down until he switched it where his white friend put Dr. Cohn's name on his paper and they put his white friend's name on his paper. And then all of a sudden the papers started graded higher, but it was the same content. So that's one thing I learned from him is the rivers of writing um, and how mm-hmm. important it was, you know, because he could say the most people talk about Hebrew Israelites, but I'm like, if you read Black Liberation and Black Power, he's saying mm-hmm. stuff that some of the camps don't even say. And so, um, right. you know, but because it was so well written, those in the academy, whether they fully agreed that God was black and Jesus is black, which he said decades ago, um, they, you know, had to accept it. So I don't know if you have any questions about him though I don't mind well, that you know, can, um, when, yeah. when, you know when I was in seminary he came down several times several times to lecture and I had read all of his books and um, you know I was just always impressed with him as a matter of fact I had a, a, a wife a female student who did her masters there and one you know I had a class when I just asked her one day well, did you have Dr. Cohn and she said you know what she said people always think 
that Dr. Cone was just a black liberation theologian, but she said that Dr. Cone was an outstanding just theologian. Period. Period. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. She said she didn't. She didn't think he got his accolades because you know not only was he a brilliant black theologian, but he was just a brilliant theologian mm-hmm. in in itself. Yes, and his last, one of his last books was The Cross and the Lynching, where when you study even the language, says he was crucified on a tree or, um, you know, he, I know, <laughs> yeah, lynch, lynch. If you look at what a crucifixion was and how it was used by the mm-hmm. Roman Empire, it was a lynching. Yeah. But literally, you know, if you look in the language, it says it should say tree, it should not say cross. And so, right. he was I mean, he literally tree. hung on a tree. And Deuteronomy says, mm-hmm. "Cursed is he who hangs on a tree, and who has mm-hmm. the tree the most." You know, I'm mm-hmm. another. When I do the Matthew 25, Deuteronomy 28 lesson, I also go through all the things Yeshua went through in his crucifixion, and how in this mm-hmm. captivity, the children of Judah have gone through the same thing. So the lynching. Um, they, were, mm-hmm. they whipped him 40 times minus one, but when you read certain slave narratives, there's literally quotes of the slave master beating the enslaved person 40 times uh, minus one, um, and that goes right. back to Torah. Um, you look at even the condition he was born in. You know, his mother right. was about 14. They weren't they were engaged. Mm-hmm were not fully married, and, you know, Joseph was not his little father. He was more like a stepfather. So we go, right. and again, when you look at what, it, you know, it was Judah that said, let his blood be on our, on us and on children's children. So even though they're mm-hmm. Hebrews all, you know, in Africa, in Fiji, Papua New Guinea, um, and some of them are Judah, many of them are the northern kingdom, and there's, you know, mm-hmm. Conditions that will be on all 12 tribes within certain conditions that will only be on, you know, that southern kingdom because of, you know, um, Yeshua coming to them and, you know, him being rejected. But Dr. Cone was this masterful person. I I mean, it it is the God of the God of the oppressed and his other books that helped me to awaken. And that's. We have to be very careful of criticizing elders in the black church. Um, there were not voices crying out. And we have to realize that this awakening, this information coming to pass, is not because we're so special and smart, but because it's the prophetic time for it. And it was not necessarily the time for the mass awakening. But in my book, I cover the hidden Hebrew history of African Americans. Like, for instance, the woman who sang the national anthem, um, the black national anthem, lift every voice and sheets yeah. in her biography. Like that last verse. Not just the song itself, but she says in her biography, the woman that sang lift every voice and sang, she says in her biography um, that grandfather was the first person to teach her about Passover because he was a black Jew. Marvin Gaye was a part of a Hebrew Pentecostal denomination, raised keeping the mm-hmm. Sabbath in the feats. His father just made the Sabbath miserable, but another show and story. Or the fact that the oldest black church in America, first African church of Savannah, 
has Paleo Hebrew on the pews, and they've always celebrated Passover. And then Susie, for my coach family. Minister Only Love, listen, just if, not not often, but every once in a while, you kind of break it up just a little bit. Not bad. We still oh, can okay. understand you, but I'm it's sorry. just. So I don't know if you need to get close to the window or not or what's going on with that. Uh, but if it gets worse, we'll oh. let you know. Maybe you can call from the house line. But go right ahead. We can, Hello? We can, we can okay. Make out. Well, well, actually, I okay, can you hear I'm me? I'm hearing her perfectly clear. I haven't heard her break yeah. up at, at all. Yeah, me too. I, I've been hearing it clear too, Seth. Okay, yeah, baby, so I'm on a I'm on a home clear. line, so later on we'll play the show back home. Me, but go ahead, keep going, keep going. If it gets worse, okay. if, it's, um, if it's bad, yeah. if, it, if it gets worse, we'll, we'll we'll do something. But right now we just have to deal with it. Go right okay. ahead. Okay, so just wanted to tell my Kojic family who I love. I love the Clark sisters. But um, Bishop Mason, before he founded Kojic, spent five years in a a Messianic Hebrew congregation that, um, you know, Jesus was black, the people of the Bible were black, and they kept the Mm -hmm. Sabbath and the feast. And even right after we got out of slavery, I got this from a doctorate, a dissertation that had to go before the Eternal um, Review Board, before academics, that, you know, there were people in North and South Carolina, preachers, preaching that we were the children of Israel. But if you, um, and it's in my book, you know, about Bishop Mason, um, it's on page 184, where he spent about five years in um, a Messianic Hebrew congregation. So this may feel very new, but it's more like uncovering what was there. But um, I'm very sorry. I'm if I can interject mm-hmm. here, let, 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 uh, let me just mm-hmm. ask you real quick. Uh, is Dr. Combs still living? Oh, no. Dr. Combs, I'm so sorry to say he passed away um, in 2018 in May. Mm-hmm. I remember because I could not attend the funeral because I was on a flight to Ghana to live for three months and, um, you know, mm-hmm. visit the Jews of Ghana and the Ashanti. And so, Unfortunately, he passed away. I do want to go Mm. back to an earlier question so we don't forget. So I also work on um, criminal justice laws and legislation, the advocacy side. I do work with now young people who are formerly incarcerated or involved in the court system. I, um, I haven't been able, no one, including chaplains, can go to the prisons now because of COVID, but, um, you know, with when I'm, you know, I can't necessarily, you know, preach my beliefs to the young people I'm working with, but if mm-hmm. a young person asks me, I can tell them and do have an awakened young person who, you know, knows who he is. And so, you know, I talk to him. We do have some young people who brought my book of their own, you know, one young person brought his own going out, getting it. And so in that level, I will talk to them. We do talk about the connections between the plantation and the prison. And even in that, um, there is a scripture from Isaiah that I do have as a signature on my work email that points to who we are, and it's Isaiah 42, 22-23. But this is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves or are hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey with none to deliver them, and a spoil with none to say, give them back. 
who among you will give ear to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? So again, um, you know, who is hidden in prisons at the highest numbers, you know? So with working on the legislative side of things, just to give some updates about COVID, you know, in many prisons, the guards and the people in prison are not given masks. The prisoners in New York were making hand sanitizer, but they could not because the alcohol in hand sanitizer is considered contraband. Um, they're, um, they're, again, like they can't social distance because it's not enough space. And then um, one of our young people who recently got out of Rikers told us wow, that wow. because all the correction officers can't make it to work because some of them are sick, some of them are afraid to come because, again, they don't have masks either. And certain youth detention centers, they tell the staff, we don't want to give you masks because it will make the kids scared. And it's like, well, what about making all of us healthy? So we've been advocating for them to get masks, for nonviolent offenders to be let out. Like if someone just couldn't afford beds and they're sitting in there, let them out. Because right now it can be a death sentence to stay in there. And so one of the young people said that on Rikers Island, which we did successfully have a campaign to get it closed, and it, it will be closed by 2024, um, because Rikers Island is a notorious prison in New York, and yes, it was actually yes, a yes, plantation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a plantation before oh, wow. the prison, which many people don't know yet. So it, it, and they wow. have a big barge, a big ship that's a prison ship. And people are locked up on it. And one man who served in the prison ship said this feels like a slave ship. Um, but with the young person, he said because they didn't have enough, because they don't have enough corrections officers right now due to COVID, they, some correction officers are getting so many shifts. They're working like four days straight, five days straight, six days straight, seven days straight. And some of them just walk out and go home. And so the prisoners were locked in for two to three days, locked in their cells until one of the prisoners made something to help them get out. And with that, they weren't getting fed. So these are the things that are happening. So I try to not only witness with what I say, because sometimes, you know, I think it was Augustine or who may have said preach the gospel always rarely use words like, I try to witness by um, being a prophetic voice for justice against the systems, whether that's the mayor, the governor, um, whether that's making sure the right legislation gets passed with other advocates. I think the way you live your life is more of a witness than just saying you're an Israelite, you're an Israelite, you're an Israelite. Um, And then what does that mean if, you know, eat food and you're not helping me? There's, of course, I am a minister at Bethel, the House of Yahweh, which is a 67-year-old Messianic Hebrew congregation in the South Bronx under Pastor Jonathan Mickens, and it was founded by his grandmother, Um, and we're a very positive assembly, people of all backgrounds, and we do, they reopened the feeding program this week, and we have something called Inner City Lighthouse, where we train people to get good jobs. So there's a part where it has to be Torah in action, you know, and that's how people will be curious about, okay, you say 
you are from this great lineage, but are you doing the great things that they do? Because Esther spoke up for her people, you know. Um, uh, Minister Only Love, I have a mm-hmm. question for you. Did, mm-hmm. did I hear you correctly by saying, are some young um, Hebrews being put in uh, jail? Are they being incarcerated no. for not wearing masks in New York? No, no, is no. Is that correct? I didn't no. say that. No, no, no. No one is being oh, okay. incarcerated Sorry. for not wearing masks. What I was saying is when if you are incarcerated now, you're not being given masks, which leads oh, you over okay. to COVID. So like at Bedford Hills Women Prison, about 33 women, and this was as of two weeks ago, is higher now, have COVID. And so I know there's a lot of thoughts about what people believe it is or not. I know people who have died in New York, and so and there are people with it in prison. There is something out there, and we can talk about where it's coming from and what's the purpose. But they know that having our people packed in these jails while this plague is going around with no wipes, no alcohol, no hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. no mask is a death sentence. So there's right. a whole they're, battle they're, they're in New York. Yes. Yeah, so it's yeah, not about yeah. being arrested. No one's being arrested for not having masks. But these are people who are already in the system before COVID okay. even Thank you started. For that. Yeah. But if yeah, yeah. But if they are waiting on bail or they did something like set, you know, shoplift something, is it worth it keeping in there when they could die? The correctional officers that are working with them can die. Um, and then all these people come back in our community. Most correction officers are black and Latino. So that is a way that they can even, you know, poison our community. And so we have, you know, they deal wisely with us. And so any, um, I'm sorry, any questions I was forgetting? And I know, Brother Seth, I need to talk about the family in Africa as well. Um, Well, I do have another question. I want to. I wanted to ask you, with with what's going on currently with the COVID and happening, particularly amongst the Hebrews, do you believe this is part of the Jacob's trouble the scripture talks about? Because we have closed our 400 years, and we are Mm -hmm. on the other side of that uh, direct punishment that was spoken of by the prophets and that, you know, our ancestors, we've all lived it out. We closed that 400-year window. So do you think that this is part of the um, Jacob's trouble? So um, one thing we should know is that actually the actual 400th year will be August 2020. When you count it, it's actually August 2020. I didn't know that until a while ago. So we're getting up to that time. Um, And I've talked about this Uh with my pastor as well because there are birthing pains and then there's going to be, you know, when the horses are released and when it's Jacob's trouble. So I think this is more like the birthing pains that may set up something for that. But I try not to get too much with the dates and things like that. You have to be, I always say, we need to be praying. We need to be fasting. We need to be using wisdom. We need to be taking care of ourselves. We need to be preparing so that whatever happens, we can endure to the end. And so, um, you know, but I think we should be very leery of saying, like, this is it because we still have a lot to go. There's still a lot of prophetic things to happen. We still have, you know, so we definitely can see what we're going towards, but I try not to, 
you know, because um, if we think this is it and then something worse happens, then people may be thrown off. But um, one reason why it is important to know who the biblical Hebrews are is because the children of Israel are prophetic time clock. And so yes. if you think, yes. and I'm not Say saying you all as panelists, but if you think 1948, oh, everything's great, but even, okay, they're only saying Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, so where are the rest of the tribe? Why isn't is is it a lie? So you have to know who the children of Israel are. So when we're talking about, you know, and I know you all know, but just for those listening, so when we are talking about Bible prophecy, if this sister knows the 400 years, because many are taught that, like I was, the children of Israel were up 400 years, but they were there like 430 years, and they were about 200 and change. But I teach my young people um, that the 13th Amendment that supposedly ended slavery said slavery was only abolished if you were not convicted of a crime. But if you were convicted of a crime, slavery and involuntary servitude was okay. That's how some right. of us Continue. can say it is a 400 year. We may think, oh, no, they agreed to in 1861, but according to the law, even the young people I work with, they get it. Like when you look at that amendment, no, um, there's still an overall captivity. Um, any um, thank you, sis, for that um, really important question. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, um, I want to ask you. Um, just curious. This is kind of a personal thing I have. When you listen to the Five Foot Stone early on, um, mm-hmm. that was when you first woke up around that time, right? Mhm. Yes. Do you have an opportunity to present any of that to any people? I mean, or is it all mixed in with everybody else? I mean, do you remember anything that stands out in terms of the um, like we talk about those five topics? You know what they are. Uh, so, I mean, what do you remember from any of those those shows? Give me more like a couple or a minute, or then mm-hmm. I have a, a hand that just went up, and we'll come to you, Eric Code eight one seven three five zero after the short answer here. Yeah. So with five. You know, I'm from New York, so I knew of, like, Hebrew Israelites before, you know, quote-unquote, awaken. So, um, you know, just, you know, they would speak in front of my father's job, all that stuff. So, but the thing that I liked about Five Smooth Stones is, one, I love podcasts. So that was something that was accessible to me as a young person. Um, You know, two, um, I liked the positive that the show delivered the message with. And I think we need to really get more um, spirit-filled in the way we deliver the message. Um, you know, the, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, happiness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, self-control. I think I'm forgetting one, but we're in the season of Shavuot, so we're focused on the There's no law against those. And so we have to, I just like the way it was professionally presented and anything that's pointing us back to the Messiah, like I, you know, gravitated towards. So thank y'all for, um, and thank you, Brother Seth, for this this mighty work. And um, I know we have a question, and then, um, yes, I'll yes, just take yes, a question, do. and then I'll. Yes, I'll share a little bit about the family in Africa. So. Yes, and we actually have two questions. Moderator, how you want to do it? Do you want to just go through questions or you want anybody to comment? Or yes. But if John hasn't said anything, what do you want to do? Um, let's see. We do need to take a little 
Great. So why don't we do uh, the question? Let's take the questions because we don't know how long they've been holding. And then let's okay. go to a break after our, our sister answers, and then we'll come back with Brother John's question. And, and then there's another question. We'll just come to you, uh, uh, Erica, 337. So that question, that third break. question, we'll take after after the break, okay. after Brother John. All right. Okay, Thank so let's you. get those two hands. Area code 817-350. Go ahead with your question or comment. I would love to know your city and your name, please. Uh, this is uh, Apostle Malachi uh, calling from Fort Worth, Texas. Shalom, shalom, family. Shalom. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to make a, a, a comment and just to applaud uh, Minister One Love uh, for her work. In the prison ministry. Love. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me get because I, I I messed up earlier. Said one love, but it's minister only love. It's my fault, but it's minister only love. Go ahead. Oh, I apologize. Um, I just wanted to applaud you for your uh, work with the prison ministry. Uh, I myself was in prison in the state of Texas in the late nineties and uh, in the early two thousands. Uh, and one of the things that I saw down there was a sea of, of course, Israelites, melanated people. Uh, and one of the things that we used to ask, because it would, it would be a preponderance of white ministers coming to the prison ministry, and a lot of us uh, brothers would ask the question, where are the black ministers? Where are the black churches? Of course, there would be one or two that would come at least twice a week, but it would be so many white ministers and so many white churches coming uh, to the prison, uh, I was on like about three different prisons in the state of Texas unit. Uh, and then uh, uh, when I got out and I began to work in the ministry in, in different churches and organizations, uh, the uh, attitude that I got from a lot of black ministers was that they didn't, they didn't want to do prison ministry or the attitude that they had was that prison ministry was like beneath them and something like that. So I, I just really just want to applaud you for your work uh, with the prison ministry uh, in Shalom. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Sister, uh, Minister Only Love, what do you say? Oh, yes, I'm there. Um, Thank you so much, our elder Texas has. um, Thank you, brother, for that question. Texas has one of the worst prison systems and criminal justice systems in the world. So thank you that he brought you out. So my work is primarily working with young people who have been in prison and giving alternatives to incarceration. And my assembly, though, under Crystal Ferguson, Deacon Bryan, they have the people that go into the prisons and then we try to baptize. And then when people come out, they immerse. They can connect with us. But I want to say a couple of because it's a problem. Um, some uh, of our have a prison ministry. You have to. 
Like, you have to advocate. If you're giving your offerings and your tithes or your own staff, this is a priority because this is, like, number one thing impacting our people in America. The second part is that I learned as a young woman is, okay, you want to go. And I have a group of Hebrew sisters who are more elder and poorer than me. There's so much hatred and there's favoritism about who gets to go in. So even white messianic rabbi who does, you know, go in the prison, teaches the brothers like who they are. She even works with Hebrews in Nigeria. Um, we were talking, and she said they don't allow us to teach Torah in the prison, but they allow other religions to teach. So there's the part where they're keeping people out, and then there's the part where some people need to want to come. So I'll run it back to you, and I'll try to be quick. I did want to share, like, what is going on um, with that. Okay. Uh, Brother uh, Malachi, were you done with your questioning? Brother Malachi? Yes, sir. Yes, yes, I'm done. Okay, all right. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Okay. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Can I, all right, Erico 337-485, thank you for your patience. Uh, you see what's going on, so we, we're we not ignoring you, but you're on, and we would like to know what city you're calling from and your name, please. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'm uh, Brother Leonard. I'm from Louisiana. Well, welcome to the show, Brother Leonard. Good to your voice again. What question do you have for the guest, please? Well, it's more or less like a, a comment and need to know. Um, okay. It was, okay. I, was always, I, I was always I was always puzzled with the fact that, uh, that people were saying that 2019 um, and mm-hmm. August was the year was the 400 years, and then when she's saying that 2020 August, well, anybody that knows about the year of return and Dr. Aricana. Um, in September of this year, they have scheduled uh, all the heads of states in Africa coming to South Carolina, and five planes of African Americans is going to leave in September, going back to Africa. So they kind of, it kind of goes along with what she was saying about August being the, the uh, 400 year mark because that, that, that when, they, when they came I out heard of here. It, but I want you to say that again. What's happening? Stated the heads coming again. I have to watch the phone lines, please. For my sake, anyway, can you repeat that about the heads of states coming? All the all the heads of state in Africa, all of the I think fifty of them, fifty two, all the heads of state are they they it's it's more or less like a reconciliation for the slave trade when they traded us off. They all come into South Carolina in um, August, and they they have scheduled five planes of African Americans leaving America going to back to Africa. Okay, let me ask you a question. What's your source for that? If somebody want to get more information on that, where did you get that from, Brother Leonard? Uh, go, go, go to the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, uh, Make Africa great. It's, oh, it's I know that. Mhm. She's a um, prayer warrior. Yes. Right, Dr. Um, Alcana. She's a was the ambassador for the a- African Union, and uh, she's not now. So she's picked up on her own and started doing all this. Uh, Work. They they in the process right now of uh, returning a, 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 a remnant or you know they call it the diaspora back to Africa. And so I thought that was kind of because when, if you go to the scriptures, uh, and he, the Most High says He changed not. He says the self same day that they, they left Egypt. 
They left out, and it also said the same thing with Noah, the self-same day. So the Most High is precise. He, do, he doesn't he doesn't say that 400 years and one day. When he says 400 years, we coming out at at 400 years. That's how he operates. So wow. when he say August August 20th, it's, it's, I'm like wow. So watching um stuff, I do have a friend from Ghana from a family that went to Union so to study with Cone. He worked on the year return, like with the president. Um, he also organ we worked on a spiritual pilgrimage to Ghana for that. We were actually on a call with some Hebrews from America in Ghana today, um, earlier before this call. So I say all of that to say um, and I'm aware of the ambassador and have been a part of events that she helped organize. We can have another show where we're talking about maybe Africa and Bible prophecy or the year of return. And there are other, um, I can bring, I can invite my friend Kobina, um, who's heavily involved, to talk about these issues as well. Because, um, yeah, um, that is something yes. I'm going to look into. I texted yes. Kobina while the brother was talking. Um, yes, thank you for sharing. If, if I can interject here, allow us to interject, uh, Sister uh, Minister uh, Only Love here and there. We will do that. Just, just know that. But listen, uh, we have done shows on that, and we will continue okay. to do shows on it. So yes, that's not a problem. We have to sit down and talk about what, when. Uh, but I would love to revisit that because that remnant is going to return. It's all a part of prophecy. Brother Linda, do you have any, more, uh, any other thing uh, for the sisters? And then she's going to respond to we'll take a break. Well, well last, oh, okay. last, week I, last, week I, last week I gave my phone number. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, hold on a second. The, uh, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Because uh, uh, Minister Only Love, were you done with what you were saying before he asked his second question or comment? Yes, I'm done um, with that. Th- just wanted to thank him for bringing that up. Okay, Brother Leonard, finish. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't give my access code out last week. I gave the number. I went to seven one two seven seven five seven zero three one, and the access code is eleven o two thirteen. Well, brother, we always appreciate you, and remember, when I put you on hold, press one so your hand will go down so you can come on. On this show, everybody, those of you missing the five minutes on network, uh, you can ask more than one question. But, brother, we're going to move on to her and respond to your question, and then just um, press one so your hand will go down. Okay, sister, uh, just back in your hand, uh, a minister only love, uh, you can respond to the brother. Yeah, and I'm sorry, brother, oh. you asked another question. He didn't actually, I'll take that spot. <laughs> okay. Brother Leonard, go ahead and repeat your question. She want to know your question. He, didn't have, he didn't have a question. Okay, good. All right, you, uh, go ahead, Brother First of all, great show. Um, Minister Only Love, uh, you've done a lot of stuff. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, <laughs> that's a lot that she has done. And then I have to take solace in the fact that well, what I do is um, what I do, and everyone has their calling, but you, you had a lot of stuff that you've done, so I commend you, and I applaud you like everyone else on the show. Um, I did want to uh, look at two points, uh, one of them dealing with your thoughts as it pertains to the – at the time, it was Ghana, I know, that had basically – uh, I, I actually watched some YouTube videos as it pertains to them giving 
land, even though they're not really giving the land, it's kind of like you're leasing the land or something to that effect. And going, uh, people uh, of color, I'll say, going back to Africa uh, by way of Ghana, or as Brother Lynn has stated, these other countries. I want to know what your thoughts were on that uh, initially. Um, what are my thoughts about as far as Ghana and versus other African countries and the return? I'm sorry, I wasn't clear. The the to, to me, I have mixed feelings about going. It like I've looked into it, but I I personally have mixed feelings as as if I would want to do that or not. I'm curious if you had considered considered it uh, since you've been mm-hmm. been to Africa uh, and, and any light that you can shed on it. Yeah, so um, starting in around 2007, right before, like, I awakened to my full identity, it started being laid on my heart that I would um, have dual citizenship in Ghana. And then my friend in school, mm-hmm. I mean, he's very humble, but he he helped the first 35 African Americans obtain dual citizenship. And so and he's mm-hmm. a, um, he founded the God Box Foundation, which everyone can Google they do spiritual pilgrimages to Ghana. They have accurate information about dual citizenship. He knows, you know, where the people. He's very rooted in his faith and Yahshua. But I think it's something many people are struggling with that question now. And, you know, Ghana's not the only place. In many places you can go. But I always say the safest place to be is in Yah's will. I think everyone no has to go into prayer and fasting um, you know, where am I supposed to be? Because Africa's huge. And if you say, oh, I'm supposed to go to Nigeria, that's the largest black world, which state, you know, which region in Ghana, each different, like across, like uh, Manhattan, mm-hmm. North Ghana, like, you know, the bush is very rural. I love me some Accra because I'm a city girl, but Accra would drive some people crazy. So we have to pray. Mm-hmm. We have to ask y'all based on our calling, our family situation, you know, where should we be and when should we go? For I know elder African-Americans that they spend part of the year in each place, you know, or some mm-hmm. people just have businesses over there and visit. They don't move. So there is prophecy happening, but I also think it's really important now um, to depend on the spirit to lead, and then there are many people, you know, those who are, are thinking that. But I would definitely do a lot of prayer and research and visiting, as if you're able. I hope that makes sense. It does. Thank you so much for that. Uh, this next question, while I pose it to you, I actually pose it to everyone because I'm kind of curious what y'all's thoughts are. Um, the, the scripture that we've talked about uh, in reference uh, to God, the 400 do, years. Do us a favor because we want to uh, spread these questions out. We said we were going to take a break, and it's, it's, it's something going on with the, my board. Trust me, I need to take a break now. Uh, can you hold that question to after the break? Yeah, of course, Brother Seth. You know I don't mind stopping my free <laughs> my freestyle for a break. You know. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I really do. No problem, uh, man. Well, listen, let's take a break, everybody. Everybody okay with the break, sister? Uh, Minister Only Love, you okay with the break? Yes, yes. Thanks. Okay, well, everybody, let's take a quick little break. Uh, brother, brother, uh, just when people press one, we can't see their hand. I don't want to tell you all that. And so I don't know who's pressing one, brother. Anyway, so let's, we'll fix that here in a little bit. Again, folks, you can listen to the Fossils on Network. 
We got the, the sister in the house, the one and only sister, Minister Only Love. That is her name, Minister Only Love, and uh, she has been a blessing tonight. I told y'all she would have a lot of information. She's going. She talks a little fast, and she's sitting, just giving facts after facts, you know, experience after experience, and, and I appreciate that. The flow, uh, y'all got to stay. Uh, you got to be. You got to be alert. Listen to this sister, and have your pen, your pen and pencil. Your, um, if I could talk tonight, your paper and pens available to jot down different things she say. One thing I want to talk to her about maybe out the air is that whole thing about Bishop Mason because that's major. Church of God in Christ needs to know that. That is major, sister. Mm-hmm. That is so major. And I was when I was in Demona they mentioned about Bishop Mason uh, saying it was Israel. But I could never quote other than Prince uh, Shaleka uh, from Demona Israel who was Bishop Mason's right hand man. He said that. So that's the source of the people in Demona. They're quoting Prince uh, Shalakum, if I pronounce his name right. But outside of that, I didn't have anything. So whatever you got on page 184, i got to find out that. But anyway, listen, everybody. We really appreciate your presence tonight on this blog talk uh, show. Again, uh, it's five on network, and we have Minister Only Love all the way from New York. And the panel is in the house tonight, minus uh, Brother Elishua. So take a little short break, but uh, and, and uh, speaking of commercials, I just want to just say, uh, Brother John, why don't you go ahead and do Brother Dan the honor of his commercial with regards to uh, uh, Gospel Tracks while and then we'll uh, take a little a music break and be right back, folks. Okay, so look, everybody, if for any reason you are a little hesitant about walking up to people and just witnessing to them, whatever the case may be, you can always go old school on them with the gospel track. I'm sure you all at some point in time have received a track from someone. Uh, and we have a brother by the name of Dan who has not been on the show uh, as of late, but he does have a company called Gospel Tracks Wow. That's G-O-S-P-E-L-T-R-A-C-T-S-Wow.com. And you can go there for all of your gospel track needs. Um, he literally has sent these tracks all over the world. Very well connected in that respect. And it would be a great benefit to uh, utilize him for those needs. So we just wanted to let you all know that that is available. And if you let him know that you heard this on Five Smooth Stones, you will receive 25 free tracks. Thank, uh, back to you, Seth. Yes, folks. And uh, uh, pray for Brother Dan. Paper brother Dan, uh, he's going through a little bit, and uh, we just we love that brother, and we don't want uh, the enemy to come in and 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 uh, make it more complicated than what his body's doing. His body's fighting really good. What he's going through, without going into too many details, he's 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 recovering. But don't forget to pray for our brother Dan. It's just that simple, okay? The prayers of the righteous evade as much. And I know some of y'all really believe in the power of prayer. So, again, don't take it lightly. Pray for the brother. Pray for him as though it's your own brother and then the uh, artist uh, recuperating. Y'all bear with me here. Again, I'm having a little trouble. My, uh, some of y'all can figure out when I'm stalling or not, but I am doing a serious uh, stalling right now because we have a little trouble with our audio board. Okay. Be right back, folks. Here we go.
Okay, folks, and we're back. And again, folks, a uh, very informative show. This is one of those shows, a lot of information coming at you, bang, 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 bang. And uh, so we do appreciate the sister all the way from New York, uh, Harlem to be exact, Minister Only Love. Your, la- your line is now open. Everybody keep your lines quiet. Sister Eliana Bot, yeah, we've been doing a good job with the lines tonight. Brother John, your line is now open. Uh, and Pastor Chris, your line is open. And I'm going to do something a little different since Brother, uh, Ella, uh, Brother Ella Shewitt is not here. I'm going to open up the line to uh, uh, Brother Leonard because uh, I know he sometimes has been riding with us. And uh, Brother Leonard, uh, your line is now open. If you want to, you can put, uh, um, hang out with us. Let me just ask him really quickly, really quickly, out of respect for his schedule. Brother Leonard, you want to hang out with us tonight? Yeah, it's all right. Okay, just keep the line quiet as you already know. Sister, uh, Minister Only Love, your line is open. Moderators in your hand. All right, Hi. welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, everybody, to um, the Five Smooth Stones Network, and we are here live with Minister Only Love from New York, and she is um, giving us a lot of information, and she's taking questions. So if you've been listening along, and you do have a question, um, feel free to call into the show or uh, put your, I'm sorry, press one. And if you're listening uh, by the link, you can call in if you have a question. That call in number is 914-205-5590. All right, so we are going to um, open it back up. Now we did have, uh, we had another question. Actually, Brother John had another question. Thank you. Second question for Sister, uh, I'm sorry, Minister only love. So, Brother John, go ahead and ask that second question. Thank you so much, uh, Sister Eliana. And my question, it actually isn't directly, directly to Minister Only Love, but just as a group, I'm kind of wondering the thought process as it pertains to this particular scripture. So, it's been stated that August of this year would be the end of the 400-year time frame, okay? Um, and you know, be that as it may, the the I know before I I heard it was 2019 or you know different different time frames, but the scripture that I'm I'm going to read, which is Genesis 15:13 and 14, it leads me to believe that we don't leave on at the end of that 400 years, and I'm just kind of curious how everyone else sees this. So. Um, this is Genesis 15. I'm going to start with verse 13. And, he's, and of course, this is uh, the Most High speaking to Abram. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. So that verse 14, to me, um, seems like after the 400 years, God is going to judge that nation, and then we come out. Um, please, anybody give me your input. Cause I'd like to take a shot at that verse, if I can take a shot at that verse. Brother John, based upon the scripture you say, it didn't say that we would be there. It just said that he would judge the nations. I think we can assume that we're not supposed to leave, we're going to be here when he judges. But he don't say that he's going to judge the nations while we're here. So I didn't get well, what he said he will come out. He said, 
it said well, afterwards. I heard it, I, I it, heard said, it differently, um, to, if I can weigh in. It, it does seem to me, and this is what I actually teach on on my um, uh, shows on Block Talk when I do uh, at the Wisdom of Torah, that, yes, the nation is going to be judged, and that these are all the nations where we have been afflicted. And it says, and after that, so after that judgment mm-hmm. or after that time period, which we don't really know what that mm-hmm. time, that's why I always tell people, we can't tell you the date or the time or the hour when we're going to come out, but we know that the Most High is going to gather us. But it does mm-hmm. say clearly, and we just heard Brother John read it, that um, after we have been afflicted 400 years, then the Most High will judge the nation, and after that we will come out. So that's how I understand that too. And um, yeah. I would okay. just like to, oh, I would just like to weigh in because I'm very leery of putting dates on things because throughout history people have been so disappointed when the day and time comes and something doesn't happen that they were expecting. So, you know, that's one thing I want to say. That's why I've been telling people in this whole 400 years conversation, just pray fast, get right with y'all because it's really going to be him anyway that does anything. And it does say um, that they will, the nation will be punished, and afterwards they will come out. And some translations say with great possessions, because so you know, I think that the 400 years ending can be a start of the judgments, and we might be seeing we might be seeing some of those judgments starting now. But you know, the exact time, I think we have to hold off on, you know, just saying an exact time for something because then it could, you know, lead to people falling away um, from the most high. But that's just my take. I'll come in. Thank you. Uh, Please, Brother Leonard, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brother Uh, Leonard. Go ahead. You had a comment. Go ahead, Brother Leonard. Uh, uh, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 7 said that uh, the Lord also shall save the tenth of Judah first. So Mm -hmm. we found out that the African... We also found out the African Americans are in America, and 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 the comment on Genesis 15 and 13 about he's going to judge the nation. Then we come out. Well, Egypt. When we was in, in Egypt, he only judged Egypt because that's where we was at. But we've been scattered over the whole world. So he's saying come out, mm-hmm. come out of wherever we at in the world. And based on on Zechariah 12 and 7, it's Judah first. So Judah got to leave here. And we know that the world, you know, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying thank you. Thank you all for giving y'all's input on that. Thank you. Minister Only Love, go ahead. You was about to say something. Um, I was going to, um, yeah, the, the, the greater exodus will put the first one to shame because he'll be gathering those scattered from the the four corners and the system is global. But when we look at the, the statue in Daniel, there is a special role that this particular country is playing, even though there's Hebrews everywhere. Um, and I think that that's also important to know that there's, you know, it's, when I say special, I don't mean a good role, but just a particular role. But um. Mr. Seth, maybe since we are talking a little bit about Africa, would you want me to share a little bit about 
the um, some of the Hebrews in Africa and share about the book? Yeah, yeah, because what's happening is the church is still on the fence. The black church, which we're mm-hmm. talking about also tonight here and there, they're on the fence. Uh, they like. I've had pastors who say, like how you sound. And uh, the biggest stumbling block to the black church is white supremacy. Ministers that mm-hmm. obviously have profound teaching uh, in their arsenal. Uh, ministers like Kenneth Hagin that really do have some powerful things to say. But when it comes down to African Americans, they struggle with secret racism of the heart. I think most of the lot of these white male ministers, white ministers, period. And the churches in, is, have looked up to these men. And some of them are great men of the Most High. I know, you know, they are. Just in the story, they are. But with regards to this revelation, like the Father gave me a long time ago, they struggle with this. They struggle with telling black people the truth about who they are because it shows them up. It shows that they've been lying. It shows their system up. And while they are believers and they love the Most High, this is a hard truth for white males to preach because of white supremacy. So if you can share how you've seen with proof, however way of proof you want to go, genetically, uh, they're living out the prophecies about Africans living out the Hebrew lifestyles, keeping Torah prior to 1948, it's going to let a lot of our brothers to see just how massive this thing is. You've had the opportunity to travel, and you know, like I know, it's not no little U.S. thing. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, my book that um, I traveled to Africa to research on and worked on for about six years, Prophetic Whirlwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, was actually post um, published by Voices Publishing, which is an um, an imprint that is um, to publish books by Blacks of Faith. And um, I think while this book was being published, the um, Voices Publishing was acquired by InterVarsity, which is a well-respected um, Christian press. And so I want to share um, the large part of the book is actually lifting up about 15 tribes and ethno-linguistic groups that are, that have ties to the Hebrews of the Bible. Um, we have tribes like the Maru of Kenya, which have literal um, stories from the Exodus and even the New Testament in their oral history um, before colonialism. In Ghana, oh, the... Hold on, hold on, of, hold on, hold on. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. you, you're fine, but just a little fast, because people, I'm telling you, like me, write a little slow. Give me the name of that tribe again. Maru, M-E-R-U, the Maru of Kenya, and their oral history is that they um, were being oppressed by red people and that the king of the red people started killing the little boys, um, and one of the boys he tried to kill was, you know, preserved, um, and he rose up to liberate them, his name was like a variation of Moses, and they crossed the Red Sea, and they they made it, you know, eventually um, to, you know, a mountain. That's just one tribe. But I can um, actually read um, about a tribe that I visited, um, the Sethwi Jews of Ghana. Um, they I've personally spent time with them because Ghana 
actually always observed prior to colonialism and slavery, they observed Saturday as a day of rest and a day of worship. And when um, missionaries came, they actually referred to the missionaries. They say, you serve Sunday God, we serve Saturday God. Um, in the book, The Sabbath wow. Roots, the, yeah, in the book, The Sabbath Roots, The African Connection by Charles E. Bradford, he says statistically, Africa has a high, the highest percentage of Sabbath keepers in the world. And the Sefwi Jews of Ghana, they actually, um, you know, they, in most in Ghana, circumcised their boys at eight years old and named them. Um, many scholars believe the Sefwi tribe descended from Jews who were expelled from the Iberian Peninsula in 1492. Sefwi is S is S E F W I, and um you can just Google them. There's a movie about them called Doing Jewish: A Story from Ghana, and okay. they keep kosher. They keep kosher. They observe Sabbath. They um they also you know have. Um, menstrual purity laws. They circumcise their boys on the eighth day. They have coming of age ceremonies at 13 years old. And I've visited them multiple times. Um, European Jews from all over the world visit them. They write about them. They um, they lived in Mali and Ivory Coast, but they eventually settled in um, Sefwi, Wyoso, Ghana. But um, they, when I went to visit them, Mr. Kofi, one of their elders, sent a message to African Americans, and on that I got on video, and he said, "Jacob is a black man." He said, "The the Torah is our book, and we need to return." And that is on um, the Prophetic Worldwind YouTube page, and it says, "I'm Ghana Hebrew elders sends message to African Americans." Um, also, uh, Mr. Joseph, their elder, elder, the oldest person there, he told me with tears in his eyes, he said, "When you know, we need African Americans. We need you to come, and we need you to preserve our history because others are coming, and they're, they change, they're changing our history. One of the most, that was a very uh, let me, let me, story. Let, let, me, let, me, let me interject, and uh, please excuse me, but you don't, you don't pause too much. you got so much information I have to do this. Just, just keep that train of thought. But let me ask you this. When you run across the various uh, jewelry all across Africa, are you hearing about it? Are they non-Messianic or Messianic? It's a mix, just like here. It's a mix. You know, it's really a mix, and it it doesn't go by tribe because the Ebos have a lot of messianic assemblies. They have a lot of non-messianic, so it really depends. Wow. I had a question. Okay. You mentioned that the last tribe that you mentioned. You said that they keep they um they observe something with the young males at the age of thirteen, like a bar mm-hmm. bar mitzvah. Yes, so a lot of African-American Hebrews, we think certain things, oh, white Jews made that up, white Jews made this up. It's like actually a lot of things were from us, whether it was in oral tour, whether it was in written tour, whether it was just a custom. I actually learned from a secular, non-religious, pan-African podcast that bar mitzvahs were started in West Africa 
could hold on and teach the kids, their kids their culture, that it was something started by us. And it, I believe it is something we should be doing. And many African tribes do have coming of age, um, you know, ceremonies. Um, and um, back to the question about whether um, some of the tri- um, tribes are messianic or non-messianic, um, you know, we have to realize for a lot of the northern kingdom, they were not in Israel when Yahshua was born, which is why he says go into all the world because we would be scattered to the four corners. And he said at first he came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, meaning at that time, those 10 tribes. And so, you know, when I encounter a group, a tribe in Africa like the Sethli, who, when they actually started off messianic, and that's another thing is that in a tribe, just like within our community, there'll be people of different beliefs about Messiah. But if your people left the land before Messiah was even there, then you may not even know a Messiah came for you. Especially, you know, you may hear like European um, missionaries talking about, you know, talking about someone, but you may not know that that was who your ancestors were waiting for. So that's why I do have patience. And that's why a missionary work does have to be done with, um, you know, our family in Africa. But many of them are very strong messianics as well. Um, wow. Wow. Well, brother, um, just a moderator, if you don't mind me doing this, uh, Pastor Chris, are you? Are your your line is open? I'm just trying to make sure everybody's here. Um, Pastor Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Any questions? Anybody? Y'all are quiet tonight. Um, yeah. Any I, questions? I, I have. For, I have for one minister, question. Love? Um, I'm sorry. What did you say? No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just had a question. Um, are you familiar with the book from Babylon to Timbuktu? Yes, I am, and I've met Dr. Windsor twice. Yes, I'm very familiar with that book. What about uh, Hebrewisms of West Africa by Joseph Williams? I'm very familiar with that, and I cite um, those books in my book and cite many other books. Yes, I, re- I what, researched a lot of those books for many years. What about Ben or Me, his book? Um, I've read some of his books as well. Okay. I got a question. But I will say, just um, just please let me. I'm so sorry, Mr. Seth, but I will say, and those are great. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Seth. I just wanted to address. No, 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 no. You go ahead. One thing. I'll wait. Um, those are great. I will say, um, one thing that is unique about my book is we go into what does this all mean for the redemption of our mm-hmm. people and us reconciling mm-hmm. back to Yah. What is the black biblical destiny? So what is the anointing on us to do justice, to praise Yah, and to help connect mm-hmm. community back to Yah? And what does this mean for moving forward and doing justice in our community? So it's not just facts about where they are. And I also went mm-hmm. and met um, many of the tribes that I write about, either had, you know, met them on the ground in Africa or actually have relationships with them in America. I wouldn't just put out a book that was saying the same things as everyone else because some new research has even come out DNA-wise since those books were written. So it's a very unique book. Trust me, I didn't publish it myself, so no one's going to publish something. And it was fact-checked. It was legal-checked. 
no plagiarism, but very few books go into what this means for us actually being redeemed as a people. I bow down to right. every, you know, the elders, but this is a unique, it's not just the same, you know, that has been said. Right, before. right, yeah. right. Because I've, I've seen information about the genetic uh, tie-in also, and I'm sure you're familiar with We the Black Jews by Dr. Ben Yachinen. Mm-hmm. Yes, in Harlem, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I did my research before I did a book, brother. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, uh, let let me let me ask you a question. And uh, uh, Sister Eliana, your line is back open. I see you called back. Your line is now open. Um, um, let me just say this, and Brother Elashur is now on the line as well. Let me say this, Brother Elashur. Your line is open also, Brother Elashur, uh, Sister. Um, uh, Minister Only Love is also a panelist who was running late tonight, so he's on. Uh, let me ask you a question. Let me, let, let me just make a comment, rather. The reason why Brother Seth wanted you to talk about Hebrewism in Africa, again, mm-hmm. there's something going on. Again, you're, you're with the prison system, and, and we talked about in the show description how a lot of men are leaving prison, uh, prison Israelites. And, and a lot of the black church, again, is on the fence. If I can use the term black church, no such thing as a color of people based on the color. Y'all know that. We listen to to this show, but the reason why the church who happen to have dark skin is on the fence, and even a lot of so-called other ethnic groups, okay, based, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that means to y'all, everybody, really the whole entire universal church, a lot of them is on the fence because of white supremacy, and it's a strong cord that that's wrapped mm-hmm. around our brains with regards to white supremacy. And so you hear what this sister is saying. It challenges us that, and that's why I want her to say this. I want her to say how comments like she just made. Uh, what was the doctor said? Who was that that quoted? There's more practicing Jews in Africa than anywhere else. Please give us his name again. No, the quote was um, from Doctor Charles from um, Charles E. Bradford who wrote the book Sabbath Roots and African Connection. And at the end of each chapter, I list my sources and it's various sources that you can um, read and get even more info, but it's Sabbath Roots, the African Connection. He said, Africa has the highest number of Sabbath keepers of anywhere in the world. And that's not because, you know, the SDH just did a lot of missionary work in Africa. They have, but not to reach the, as many people because there's a lot of African-initiated Christian denominations that actually keep the Sabbath, like the Bantu prophets of South Africa and Zimbabwe. Um, the Limba tribe were DNA tested by Oxford um, University, and they have a higher incidence of the Cohen gene, the gene that people say goes back to the Cohen priests of any men in the world. And they have, I mean, they are all over the Internet. So even though it may be hard to believe, um, even me covering like 15 tribes and ethnic linguistic groups, there are so many tribes I left out that were not um, covered who have, through their traditions, they're keeping the Old Testament even without, you know, written Bibles. This is what even white missionaries like G.T. Basin wrote in his missionary journals about the Igbos. And some missionaries who didn't know the Old Testament, because many churches don't teach the full Bible, they would see things like blowing the shofar. 
like the IBBO tribe did, but then they would take the shofars away and say it was pagan, not realizing it was right in scripture. Or they would see, you know, someone doing a Passover sacrifice because they didn't know that Yahshua came. And they would just say pagan instead of speaking to them and finding out it was actually um, for Passover. And so there is a, a lot of proof. Um, even in Senegal, they have the Banai Israel tribe. Many African Americans mm-hmm. in North and South Carolina were taken from Senegal. These are 4,000 people who live in a rural area, and they say that their ancestor was named Jacob and settled in Senegal 1,000 years in Senegal 1,000 years ago. Um, they had traveled through Mali, and there are actually about a thousand Jews in Mali that were discovered. Um, their name, their tribe's name, Benai Israel, means son of Israel, and they trace their lineage to two clans that they say were descended from um, from Egyptian Jews, and often. Um, Hebrews would flee to Egypt in a reverse exodus. The first exodus was from Israel, was from Egypt to Israel, and the reverse exodus was from Israel back to Egypt to hide and blend in. They traveled through Egypt, Somalia, Nigeria, and then they finally made it to Senegal. And they um, had to convert to Islam to avoid persecution, but they always held on to their Hebrew roots, and they actually are one of the most successful tribes in their area. So that's just one uh, uh, of the many Really quickly, Minister Only Love, really quickly, mm-hmm. we have to just write a 10. We did it earlier, but just, just in case folks forgot, it's 10 o'clock, folks. Um, Please, if you listen to this show, you click on the link and you're following the sister, uh, Minister Only Love, you're part of her group, uh, listeners, please call the phone number now because we only contract to 10 now, uh, which is 11 o'clock your time. But if you can call the phone number, 914-205-5590. Call it now because otherwise you're going to be able to listen to the show at 10. You have like 60 seconds to call. Uh, if you want to continue listening to the show, you'll be able to hear it later once we go off. All of this is recorded. Uh, and I, by the way, I admonish everyone to send this link to as many people as possible. A lot of information going on this sister is not planned. She's hitting bang, 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 bang. And so, y'all, uh, again, this is the recorded show. Eric code 914-205-5590. Go ahead, Sister Minister Only Love. Please proceed. Yeah, so... Um, that is just one of the groups that have these um, Hebrew origins. One of the groups that actually one in four African Americans have ancestry from the Ebos of Nigeria. They are um, considered by many to be of the tribe of Gad, mostly, but also Levi, Zebulon, and some of Judah. And I was honored to meet one of their um, royals, Ezi Eri who actually descends from one of Gad's sons, Ari, and they migrated to their current location, which they named Obu Gad. And this king comes to America every July, um, goes to Virginia where they have an Igbo village, and he pray- he's a believer in Messiah. He has um, a Torah-keeping congregation on his compound, and he literally lays hands on African-Americans and prays for them. 
in the name of Yahshua to break the curse of slavery off of their minds. And um, and his, you can look up Ezi Eri. I visited his palace twice. He took me in his throne room. Ezi is a title for like evil kings, but they say they don't have kings, but that's kind of like their king, E-Z-E-E-R-I. Ezi Eri, and that's his short name because if I give you his whole name, we'll be here all night. But um, he does have a Paleo-Hebrew inscription at the bottom of his throne that says the word gift. And he also has um, an onyx stone, which, is, um, is, which they found at Obu Gad. Um, and also they um, have found other, in other archaeological digs around there, they found other um, artifacts from Torah, and the Igbo have many, many customs that point to their heritage. Um, An Igbo woman who is menstruating or who just gave birth will have to be in seclusion, and that's from Leviticus 18, 19, and Leviticus 12. Um, Also, Igbo circumcised their boys on the eighth day and named them on that day. G.T. Basin, who was the Anglican missionary to the Igbo, um, found so many um, Hebrew customs among their culture that he realized, he said, I found a lost tribe of Israel. He wrote the crown of England thinking, mm -hmm, and he wrote a letter to the crown of England thinking they would celebrate him, and they wrote him back and said, we don't want you talking about that Jewish stuff. You went there to make them Christian. Wow. And this his journals are available on Amazon. This is a white man who was a missionary, and he just wrote in his journals what actually happened. He had no agenda. Um, mm. um, Ebos have Leverite marriage, which is the type of marriage that happened between Boaz and Ruth, and they call their traditional culture Omina, which means um, it, it's the equivalent of Torah, but it means like what you do in the land to keep the land pure. Um, and so these, that in one in four African Americans have Igbo ancestry. Most likely if your people were from Virginia, there's a high chance you had Igbo ancestry. And there was a civil war that tried to wipe them out, but they're still here. And they're one of the largest African tribes in the world. Uh-oh. Can I ask a question? Hold on, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. I want to see we didn't drop her. Minister, I oh, only love you there. Yes, I'm here. Okay, don't scare me like that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but I think you have a question from Pastor Alfie Chris. Yes, yes, thanks. I wanted to ask, have you studied the Ashanti and or yeah. the Falasha or Beta Israel? Yes. So because so could, much... Yes. So because so much research was done on the Falasha, I didn't want to duplicate um, tribes that people uh-huh. knew a lot about. So I mostly focused on West, Central, and South Africa. The the mm-hmm. Ethiopian tribe I did cover is another tribe of Israel that doesn't get attention, the Gafat, G-E-F-A-T. And they look mm-hmm. more um, West African. Um, I did cover them mm-hmm. in my book, but I spent a lot of time with the Ashanti. So I've been to the palace multiple times, 
I lived in Kumasi, the capital of the Ashanti region, for about three months. Um, I was there when the Queen Mother passed and therefore her celebration of life a year later and was able to meet the king that's second to the Ashanti king. And I'll tell you a story. I mean, they have many Hebrew customs in their culture, but I'll tell you a story that happened. So I was in Kumasi, the capital, hanging out with a friend, and they were just like, oh, I got to run an errand. You just stay at this table. And at this table, there were just older men dressed regular and, you know, like um, women, like pretty women. And um, I was just like, why am you know, I'm like, why am I at this table? And, I, you know, I didn't know who they were. Little did I know that that, um, that area where there was like a bar and a, a sitting area was owned by a queen mother. And it was right across from the palace. So I'm sitting, and one of the chiefs who doesn't know who I am, doesn't know that I'm there for this book research on Lost Tribes of Israel. And please, family, listen to me, and I'm going to try to talk very slow. This this chief looks at me, and he said, you know, we don't belong here. We're not from here. And I said, I know you're not from here. He said, we're from Israel. I said, I know. And then he said, and you know your people? I said, yes. He said, you know you're not from there either. I said, I know. He said, you're from Israel too. And he said, I don't know how this happened to, or why God did this to us. My friend comes back and tells me that is a high chief. And when my friend comes back and hears the story, he's like, you don't know why she's here? I can't believe you said this. And the chief is crying. And he just felt to share that with me. And it was a mm. table of chiefs. They just weren't in their traditional clothes. Wow. And he yeah, said, I you, just you, don't know why God did this to us. Have, did you do do anything with the Yoruba? Um, yes. At my home congregation, we actually have um, an elder Yoruba mother and an elder Igbo mother. And the elder wow. Yoruba mother, her husband, Pastor Solomon, he had a, he's a Messianic Hebrew congregation in the Bronx, but they had some issues with their real estate. That's New York. But he has a, a congregation in Yoruba land in Nigeria in a school, um, a Hebrew school for the children. They've invited me over to minister. And Mother Elizabeth is like one of my, the Yoruba mother, she's like one of um, my dearest mothers, checks in on me. Um, has welcomed me home. Um, when I spent multiple months in Africa, the first Sabbath I came back, she hugged me and she said, now you're a woman. You know what life is because there's great things about Africa, but life is different and it makes you appreciate, you know, things we complain about here is nothing to complain about. But yes, I do work with the Yoruba. The Yoruba are in my book. And the next time I go to mm. Nigeria, I'm hoping to visit some of the Yoruba lands more. My Igbo friends always take me from Lagos to their section, but I am trying to spread <laughs> the love so I don't offend anybody. Y'all loves everybody. He loves all 12 <laughs> tribes. <so. laughs> you know, I'm going to ask one more question. Did you give me the name of your book again? Yes. It's called Prophetic Worldland, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny. And it's available and- on... It's available on Amazon Kindle and Amazon Print. You can also get okay. it from the um, the Voices Project website or um, my website, Prophetic Worldland. 
www.markusgarveyspeaks.com. And um, the book is actually named after the Marcus Garvey speech, Look for Me in the Whirlwind, because he does touch on our identity. And he was a very, Mm -hmm. very strong Christian, and people just wiped that out. But he said he would not allow racists to turn him away um, from Jesus. And I was born on his birthday, and I look up to him a lot as an organizer. But the the whirlwind in scripture is either Yah judging or Yah like his Holy Spirit in gathering. So the prophetic whirlwind is, you know, the in how the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, will gather our mm-hmm. people through the redemptive work of Yahshua. Mm. It's a weird, uh, but Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I was talking, 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 y'all can hear me. But uh, Minister Only Love, listen, got a question for you. Now, Mm -hmm. we listen to you, and you are all over Africa touching every tribe that I have come across. You finally mentioned Lemba. You didn't hit that, but then you you finally hit that too. And I think you've covered everybody I know in Africa. Now, we know India has uh, Israelites. We know Mm -hmm. China, everywhere. But I Mm -hmm. want to ask you a question. You just came into light. You said when. You were already in in the the black church, but when you came into the Hebrew Israelite identity, what year was that when you were listening to Bob's song? Well, you said 2012, right? It was like 2012, yep. 2012. Now, that's only been been eight years. There's a lot of ground you're covering. Let me ask you something. This person just say, I'd rather not say, but are you married? No, I'm not married yet. That's why I'm able to do it. I'm trying to figure how on God's green Mm -hmm. earth or Yah's green earth could you learn all of that in such a short time? So that tells me this fellowship you're part of that's been around for 67 years is either mm-hmm. sharing with you or are you showing up just getting it from the rock? I mean, wh- wh- how are you coming across so much information? Because those people that's been studying, I know, for a long, long time, they, they can't do what you just did in less in 30 minutes. They can't do it in four hours. And I'm, I'm not trying to put it, it's not a competition or anything like that, but I mean, you are really rich in resources. I mean, did so you get it when you went to Africa glory. and then when you, perhaps when you went to Africa or Kemet? Mm-hmm. And you began to share before. with the different people. That they began to impart to you. Is that the way you got it or through research? How did you come across all this information? It was a mix because I didn't get to visit the Limba yet. I've studied them, but the Limba elders are messianic. Some of their younger ones, like my age range, have left Messiah and started following um, more European Jews. And I don't have anything against anyone. I'm just saying the facts. Um, we, in my millennial generation, we could be extra sometimes. So the elder limbers are very careful about who visits because they don't want anyone coming who's going to disrupt Messiah. You could be as black as you could be, Hebrew as you could be. So I finally was able to connect with a limba elder on Facebook who has a group for African-Americans of Limba ancestry. So I'm hoping, you know, by the grace of Yah, I will get the um, invite. But he looks at your Facebook, so I can't be posting silly jokes and stuff like that, even though I'm young um, or anything, you know. I wouldn't post anything vulgar anyway, but just um, a joke. But um, so it's a mix of different things. I actually studied these tribes 
because I knew from a little girl, the 12, and I, I might ruffle feathers, but I knew from a little girl shopping and hanging out in Brooklyn that the 12 tribes chart did not make sense. Because, say, Puerto Ricans, of course there's Hebrews in Puerto Rico. I've been to Puerto Rico. There's a lot of people of Europe of descent there. But you can't say a, an ethnic group that's only 500 years old is Ephraim. Now, you can say Yoruba people do have B'nai Ephraim, and there are a lot of Puerto Rican people with Yoruba blood. You can say that. But I, I was like, there's a gap because no transatlantic slave ships stopped from Israel. So there's a gap in the story. I know the story's true, but there's a gap. So I was very disappointed in the hatred of Africa that many Hebrews had, the fact that many Hebrews are using their Hebrew identity to run away from their blackness, the fact that, um, you know, we only wanted to deal with the Ethiopian Jews because white people affirm them and maybe they don't affirm the Sefwi Jews as much. Um, you know, I was like, you know, there's a gap in the story. And because I'm, I'm a minister of evangelism, I love to reach people. I was like, we got this gap has to be filled in because educated people, people who just know history, like, is not going to make sense. If you skip over Africa, then you skip over a large part of the Hebrew story because Israel was physically connected to Africa until the Suez Canal was completed in 1869. So it is Northeast Africa. And um, in high school, I had an Igbo best friend that just looked at me and said, you look like my cousin. We're going to be friends. We're still friends to this day. I had a Malian best friend to the point where people thought we were sisters. Um, I think y'all just put certain things in my path. And then I started reading about Jews in Africa studying and one group, which is um, a white European group called Kalanu, which means all of us, they work to disconnect, to reconnect disconnected Jewish communities. And they work with a lot. Every time I would look up Hebrews in West Africa, it would take me back to their website. And so ironically, one day I'm at a work conference, a training for staff, you know, those trainings you have to go to. And it was out of town and it was all the new staff nationwide. And so I'm talking to my friend, um, Danielle Williams. Uh, now we're like best friends. We live on the same block. And I'm talking about how they're making the EBO go through DNA testing, but white Jews don't have to. And this young Jewish woman who's a rabbi with the kippah on that only men wear, she looks and she's like, that's not right because they don't make us do DNA tests, so why should black Jews have to do it? And then she knows all this stuff about the Ebos, and I'm looking like, how do you know all this stuff? And she's like, Remy Iona is one of the top Ebo um, scholars and authors that writes about their Hebrew heritage, Remy Iona. Um, and that is someone that is just phenomenal and talking about just their culture. She's like, yeah, I know Remy. He's been at my mother's house. And I'm like, you know Remy. And we start talking and she's like, you have to meet my mom. And her mother was a community organizer. So I meet her mother. And even though I believe in Messiah, she's like, she organizes me to help the Sefwi. And when I started working with them, she's like, oh, they respond to you like so much they do everything, you know, for their community that you ask them to do. And I'm thinking, because I'm a sister. So, and that's how I got close to the Sefwi. So even things like that, just me being at that job, being at the table, that young rabbi replying, and some people may have issues with that, 
but her mother does respect and know that there are Jews in West Africa, and she does um, even work with Rabbi Capers here, who's Michelle Obama's cousin and the chief rabbi for the Board of Israelite Rabbis. And he's her board, like her board chair, and we've had conversations about, you know, the Jews in Africa need to see their people coming, not only white Jews, because that makes um, an inferiority complex. And she, you know, she listened to me with that. So, you know, Yah has a funny way of doing things. Maybe he just brought me to the company I worked for for those years just to meet Rabbi Margie to get connected to the Sefwi. So I did spend a lot of time researching. But let me let me let me interrupt you again. Let me interrupt mm-hmm. you again. And again, you don't take very many pauses, so I have to do this. But that's good because mm-hmm. it's going on like the Energizer battery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really, really appreciate you. And I apologize for you. I know you tried to get a hold of me uh, 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 for two months. You said so. Please again, I don't check emails like I need to. But that's uh, okay. anyway. Uh, really quickly, and I thought I did, and we can get last comments from everybody to wrap this show up. I know we're going over a little bit, but this sister is full of information. I'm, I'm thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with but, your research. And, uh, but Seth, I was trying to get a question in before you close the show out. Oh, uh, we're not closing out. Hold on a second. Then let me ask her that you can come on. Not a problem. Yeah, you, okay. y'all just got to jump in because she don't take very many pauses, so y'all just got to kind of interrupt. It's okay. It's okay. But let me just ask her this really quickly because we're not closing out. I'm going to hear from everybody. Really quickly, and that was Brother Ella Shua, uh, 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 Minister Only Love. So here's my thing. The world is more than just African-Americans. There's India, mm-hmm. 1 billion. There's China, 1 billion. Africa is like, I think, uh, last I saw something like 400 million. Um, I always try to be global probably too much. And I, when I run across whites, because I run across, whoever I run across, this topic comes up because a lot of our brothers and sisters just don't believe we are. And I have a, I, I pursue them first. But while I'm pursuing mm-hmm. them, somebody white always pop up and they have to believe me. It's the weirdest thing. What do you have to say? Because you you, I saw you at a church predominantly white, and you was bold. I, I still can't believe you said mm-hmm. this. <laughs> you sounded like me. I, I'll do this. Somebody like Khalid Muhammad will do this. <laughs> somebody like Farrakhan will do this. But I was, I was shocked when you said, when we think of black history, how did you feel about the Garden of Eden in Black History? I mean, I saw their faces. You remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what was your comment about that? Make that again. Oh, I think I said Black History starts in the Garden of Eden. Exactly. So when you were saying things like that, and you said other comments about Jesus was a criminal, we worship a criminal. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, Christ. They say he was a criminal. We know he didn't do the things that they accused him of. Yeah, basically, it was a, a falsely convicted. Yeah. You said we, we worship a criminal. <laughs> and I was looking at those right say Because, you know, I, I, I mean, I think of people's safety, but I like to feel whoever I'm talking to. Because if I offend them too much, I might as well shut up because they ain't going to hear what you're saying. But what are you getting from these people? Because some of them are born again, and they have a, they have a price to pay as well. They just can't say, oh, that was a nice little speech about black history. They are called 
could do something about this as well. The father's not going to do nothing to urge us because you got brown skin. He's going to look for those who are in circumcised. So what do you charge them to do with this message? You have sometimes ample resources. What do you charge or do you make a charge to them? So with that, I think you're talking about when I spoke at um, Fort Washington Collegiate for Black History Month, and they, they I, it was um, – the systematic theology professor at New York Seminary that invited me to speak. So, one, um, the call is always, one, we need to repent and reconcile with Yah through his son, Yahshua. But you can't just make up, it's not enough to just parrot a prayer and that's it. No, Um, you know, repentance is a full turn and then, you know, walking it out. Um, And, you know, so that's step one. Okay, well, I'm born again. I did that. You know, there are a lot of people that think they're born again in America who are not of all races, but that's a whole other story. But with that particular congregation, what you may have not seen, because it was a separate video, is after the service was over, we went downstairs, and they had um, the pastor of their assembly is um, a Dominican sister, and her husband is um, Afro-Latino from Honduras, but they planned a panel with myself, two of their young people, which their young people would have blew you away. Um, and then um, two, and they were our Hebrew young people, um, and then some other organizers to talk about what we were going to do around issues that impact black people. So I spoke about criminal justice. You spoke about the discrimination in New York's education system. They had a sister who was doing um, housing organizing in the community the church was in. And then they had another sister that was working on the pollution and climate, you know, justice issues that happens in upper Manhattan and the Bronx. So um, after, you know, we had the worship service, you can accept Yahshua. Now these are some things you can do. Because if you accept Yahshua, you're grafted into the children of Israel. You cannot be grafted into me and be in my family and I have asthma because I can't breathe because all of the pollution is in my neighborhood. And you're just like, okay, shalom, have a blessed day. <laughs> but we're grafted in together. Like, like Dr. Cohn says, like you have to, you know, put your lot in with the, with the oppressed. So, but one thing I realized is it's not us that wakes anyone up of any background is really the Ruach HaKodesh. So as a minister, I go in, I say as Yahshua says, and then I move on. And I trust Yah loves people more than I do. So he's going to do the work in their life, and they just have to accept the invitations. But I don't really get, um, you know, and if I say a prophetic word, you know, in a white church, it's like the word has to go out before the judgment comes. So you know, I've also said, like, white supremacy is an idol. It's a demonic spirit. You know, the message has to go out so people can't say on Judgment Day they didn't know. But I always try to communicate with the love of Yah. And, you know, your mama loves you. You know, your dad loves you. But sometimes they got to tell you the truth. And then I leave it up to him. Okay. Let me say this, and again, I, I only interrupt you because, again, that, that's the way you do. You just, you bam, 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 and I appreciate it. There is so much information you're saying; it ain't even funny. And I appreciate that. That's what we want to do tonight. We want to put a lot of information out there because, like I said, there's a stronghold in the minds of our people, 
uh, from the white supremacy. And so when you start talking about all these Hebrew groups that don't even know each other, all over Africa before 1948, that's mm-hmm. a, that's, that's one of the strongest blows I can think of to white supremacy. It saved us time having to go through Deuteronomy 28 and all these curses because I've put it out there and people still don't believe. So what do you say when it was Israelites and Jews before they even made it to Israel? That is crazy. I mean, All right, let's go to the phone mm-hmm. lines because, again, I know you have a lot to say, and I don't want this, the phone lines, uh, they don't want to just interrupt you. That's what it is. And uh, But I want to, everyone, quickly, can, if you can give me your, uh, any final comments or questions so we can wrap the show up in less than, hopefully, about five minutes here. Um, everyone, I'm just going to go down the roll call. I think Sister Eliana line dropped, she's back, and I don't know if she's able to talk. But Sister Eliana, are you there? Yes, I'm back. Can I give a comment? Hold on, hold on, um, hold on, uh, Brother Lynn. Let's just see Eliana Seth, comment. Seth, we have some thoughts on this. I didn't get an opportunity to speak, and I was really okay. trying to ask my question before you wrapped up the show, and now you can't okay, okay, in five yeah. minutes. Could I please just get my question in? Yeah, I was coming to you, brother. Remember, this is final comment, so i got to come to you. It's okay. I, 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 I forgot about that. You're right. I'm not trying to hold you back because we're coming to everybody. So you can go ahead and go now. Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, greetings, Sister uh, Only Love. Did I have that correct? Yes, greetings, Father. Okay, okay. Um, first of all, forgive me for coming in late, but I had something to come up, and I had to time in late. But uh, oh, no. if you will, in the interest of time, please read me the title of your book once more. Yes, um, thank you, Brother. It's Prophetic Whirlwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny. Okay, and that is exactly what I wanted to speak in regards to. Uh, in regards to the people that you have come across in your travels, um, as we look at within the sake of time and within the time frame and the context of the time frame that we're living in, the time, so to say, um, is there any conversation in regards to, as the chief told you, Africa is not our home? African Americans who are those who are conscious, who, who truly know that they're Israel and are truly committed to the book, and most of all committed to Yahweh, understand that uh, America is not our home. And at some appointed time, as we will determine, as you say, by the Ruach Kadesh, that we're to get up out of here and they're to get up out of there. So my question for you is, in your travels, what type of conversations have you encountered or engaged in that you see that there is, first of all, an awareness because even though we we fight for things like criminal justice, the reality is that we are in the lands of our captivity and that we've not been promised any type of freedom and quakes to a people who are blessed within these lands. We were at an appointed time, but I believe that according to the times that we've lived, even the 400-year sojourn of our captivity here in America, that we're beyond that now. So my question is, in regards to that, because if the suspect, you know, globally, you know, we look at things globally, and we are to the four corners of the earth. But what about the end gathering? What type of conversations have you had in regard to that? So just one thing, when he said we didn't belong here, he meant Ghana. Because remember, Israel, the tectonic plate of Israel and Africa is connected. So Israel is a part of Africa. But he was referring to Ghana. And then he was referring to where we were. But there does have to be a wilderness. If we're looking at the pattern of scripture, we're not going to go from our places of captivity 
directly back to Israel. There's going to be a wilderness that, you know, that is my belief. But there have been a lot of discussions, especially with the year of return um, around, you know, are people going to leave now and what is the greater exodus? How will it happen? And okay, hold, hold, that a, second, hold, a, second, hold a second. Yeah. Minister, only love, hold a second. Y'all, at the very end, I heard a lot of noise. You're going to hear when you play mm-hmm. it back, trust me. So let's just keep it a little quiet. Oh. We're wrapping up here. Uh, just Okay, go ahead and take note, Ms. Oh, yeah. So I would say, brother, there has been a lot of discussions about the greater exodus, even from a secular lens, like people returning to Africa. Where is the wilderness? So there have been discussions like that. Um, with that particular chief, he was very, like, he was almost crying. And when an African man cries in public, um, with the woman, um, it, it's like a big deal. So I was just trying to do more listening. But, um, you know, there have been those discussions, and maybe we can, like, I can connect um, Mr. Seth with um, my friend from Ghana, Tobina, who's been really involved in a lot of those discussions. Um, and there could be a second show on the 400 years. And I think some things, you know, we could share offline. And some things we can share on because just for wisdom's sake. But most of all, you know, we have to wait on, you know, clear direction from y'all. Okay, okay it's follow up real quick. Uh, before we move somebody else, because remember, this is final comments. You um, got about, when you're done and it's not, can you make it within 30 seconds quickly? Because I want to go to everybody. Yeah, it's a follow up real quick. Yeah, it's real quick, 30, uh, 15 seconds. It's a follow up. What do you mean by that before we return, we will go through a time of wilderness? Meaning like we're going to, I don't believe we're going to just be, and and I could be wrong, and maybe we could do a Bible study midrash on this, but I don't believe it's going to be like from America back to, you know, and it's going to be the new Jerusalem. It's not going to even be what we have now. Because I've been to Israel, and there's a lot of sin and defilement in that land, and I don't even want to get through it. When I was with our people, you know, it was nice, but then when I ventured out, you know, Israel has a lot of debauchery. So if anyone's going there now, like, that is not the state of the promised land. So the wilderness is going to be that in between time when the rebels are purged out because we're not, you know, that has to happen as well. Yeah, everybody so, yeah, has a wilderness experience, and I think that would be worth a show right there, just that alone, mm-hmm. just a wilderness experience, because it's, yeah. it's kind of clear. But uh, you are right about Israel, but keep in mind, uh, there's a lot of vacancy in Israel. And I remember on a tour guide, just wrapping up with Brother Elisha, was saying really quickly, I remember on a tour guide one time, we was on a tour, and I mean, we rode for hours, there was no no life, just vegetation. And this brother said mm-hmm. to me, the tour guide, you know, Israel is the only land without a people. Yes, there's people up in the hot spots, but as a whole, it's empty. He said, Israel is the only mm-hmm. land without a people. An African-American is the only people without a land. That was Why he said that? He said that. He in the middle of the clear, back in the, neg- the negative of, uh, in, South, in South Israel. Isn't that powerful? Wow. That's yeah. powerful. Well, let's go to uh, uh wrapping it up. Uh, let's go to Brother Leonard. I think it's, he he mentioned some first, and then uh, Sister Eliana. Well, let's do this. Brother Leonard, Pastor Chris, and then we'll let, we'll let Sister Eliana have final, and then we'll just wrap it up. Uh, but uh, Brother Leonard, go ahead with quickly, brother, because we're trying to wrap yeah, this show pretty quickly here. Please. 
Okay, it, it, it's um, um, she mentioned the Suez Canal, but if you go back to Scripture, uh, the Most High planted a garden eastward of Eden. So mm-hmm. the garden is the garden is not, the garden is not in Eden. Africa is Eden. That's why Africa is so abundant, and the garden mm-hmm. is in the north of Africa. So Africa is Eden, and the garden, which is northeast Africa, is where the garden is at. I do touch on where many scholars say the Garden of Eden is, and I have thought of, of course, we can't get back to the physical garden, even though, you know, Yahshua is making it possible for that to one day happen. But, yeah, I have thought about whether all of Africa was Eden. That's why when Hebrews hate so much on Africa, it doesn't even make sense. And that's a lot of the things that creates a barrier. Um, for people waking up, but what you said is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Brother Larry, really, I'm going to appreciate it's not, it's not a surprise about what you mentioned about the Sabbath being kept in Africa because of before that, because scene changes. But before that, um, you know, uh, Israel had went into 13 different captivities. Solomon Mines is in Africa. Mm-hmm. So every time they went into, the, they went into the captivity, a group would flee into Africa. A lot of them didn't come back. Yep. That's why the it's like all over Africa. The reverse exodus, yes. All right, mm-hmm. we're just moving right along, everybody. I'm trying to be fair here. Uh, final comments, Brother Leonard, your line is muted now. Brother Lashir, your line is muted. Let's move right on to Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, quickly, uh, final comments for the sister. Very quickly. First of all, uh, Sister Wombly Love, I just want to apologize to you for asking you about those other books. Oh, no, and that's okay. No, it's okay. No, you know, I've been studying a long time, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old man. And, you know, those were the references that, I, that, that helped me to learn the truth. But uh, They but helped I me as well. And I'm going to order your book because, you know, what you, you know, I've learned a lot listening to you tonight. And you've been there, and you know I'm just I just praise Yah that that someone like you, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm I'm 64, but I feel good that there's a young person in our midst who knows the truth, who can pass it on to further generations, and and I think you you've just been a, a just a real inspiration to me just to sit here and listen to you, and hopefully Seth can have you on again. Oh, and yeah. if possible, you know, I, I I would like to communicate with you. I don't know if I can get the number mm-hmm. from Seth or you got an email address or a Facebook mm-hmm. page because there's a lot of things I want to ask you. But you've been a real jewel, and praise God for you. Thank you so much. And I didn't mind. I bow down to Dr. Windsor. I've met him twice, and um, he's a very gracious elder. So thank you. And um, we just building on the next generation. And I expose young people to his book and other the, some of the books you name as an evangelist. I give them out to people, kind of, especially from Babylon to Timbuktu. Give it to the young people because we got to keep that alive and build on it. Um, my website is propheticworldwind.com, and my email address is info at propheticworldwind.com, and people can reach out to me. We have a Prophetic Worldwind Facebook and Instagram page, YouTube page, and then I'm just on Facebook as Only Love Austin. We also do have a prayer ministry, um, Wailing Women, where um, every Thursday at 8 p.m., women get together and we cry out for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob scattered to the four corners. So we pray about 
police brutality, what's going on with COVID, all the issues that impact our people here and all over. So sorry, brothers. Um, it is only for the sisters, but we do pray for our brothers as well. So anyone wow, can wow, submit wow. a prayer request. Yeah, I just wanted to invite wow. people to that too. Okay. Well, for wow. the only love, I really appreciate that, Pastor Chris. Thank you for those words. Really appreciate you coming back and, and, and clarifying that up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's Pastor Chris. I, I paid you a serious compliment there. That brother is well studied. In, in, Thank you so much, Elvis. Yes. All right, Sister Eliana, final words, please. Yes, I just want to say that this was so enriching and fulfilling for me just to be listening to all of the, the wisdom and the research and the knowledge and the fact that the Most High has raised and elevated our sister to this level. So very, very appreciative to be a part of tonight's broadcast. And I'm going to say shalom, and I will be reaching out to you, uh, Minister um, Only Love. Shalom. Shalom, Maura. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I even I even love how you try to put every you, you you pay homage to. I don't know if they heard you calling them different more, and I don't know if they heard you when you would say that about every one of them. But I appreciate you, and even when you trying to, when you say Elder, I say please call me Brother Seth. <laughs> but I I appreciate your respecting the elders. Uh, but but like Pastor Chris say, you have really, really, really encouraged us uh, in for the younger generation. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I think I know the Holy Spirit rock is is moving throughout you, but I also think it's because you're on the East Coast and you're in Harlem of all places. Where <laughs> I remember you, you can walk down the street and get your life turned upside down talking to them folks because yeah. they come hard in Harlem. And yeah, so I just they think, do. I thank you. And so I will say this. I do plan on having you again if you're willing to come on again. Next week uh, we yeah. have a, a, a someone, uh, and everybody, just so y'all know, Bishop uh, R.E. Uh, Campbell of Cincinnati, Ohio, unless he falls unless he falls through. If he falls through, you'll be back on next week, but I promise him Tuesday. And this is another giant, giant older man that's just, just he has probably, I don't know, thousands of people that have come to the light because of him and his work. Um, but listen, sister, minister only love. I want you to know I appreciate you, appreciate the work you've put in, appreciate your travels uh, to uh, the uh, countries like Togo and, and uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands and St. Martin and Puerto Rico and Nigeria and Ghana and Israel and Switzerland and England and Scotland. I mean, sister, you have paid a serious uh, 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 with your life, obviously, um, you, you pay serious dues in the research of our people and upliftment of our people, especially where it relates to mass incarceration. Incarceration. So I always want to thank you, and I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show and give you just about 15 or 10 seconds to give final words, and that's it. That'll, that'll do it for tonight. So go ahead. Thank you so much, Seth, and thank you to the whole panel. Thank you to my sister for moderating. Um, just thank you for everyone for listening, and all glory goes to Yah. If you don't know Yah through his young, his son Yahshua, get to know him tonight, and you can connect with me on propheticworldwind.com, and let's just stay pr- prayed up in these crucial times because our redemption draws near. Sweet, sweet. 
sweet, sweet, and to the point. Sister, I can't thank you enough. We have been enriching. Remember, folks, these, these shows are recorded. Send that link to as many people you can, hopefully young people, and let them see a life you can live. And so, anyway, thank you very much, Minister Only Love. I'll be in touch with you more after the show, and uh, may y'all bless you. May y'all bless you all, too. Thank you so much. Lala Tov. Okay, folks, and that was Minister Only Love. I told y'all. I told y'all I did some research on the sister, and I was definitely impressed. And I'm so sorry that I didn't get a hold of her. She said she'd been trying to get a hold of me for two months. I got to do better. Anyway, love every single one of y'all, and ain't nothing you can do about it. This last song, guess who's by? Clark Sisters, you got it. But check this out. Jay-Z and Beyonce actually use this song. Not that we're trying to follow them or anything, but they was even blessed by this song. Call Haya. I'm gonna let Twinkie tell you a little bit about it. Good night. See you next week. All right, Campbell. Don't miss this one. This is probably one of the greatest minds that'll come on this this network. I'm telling y'all, you've been warned. We want to do this little song for you, and the name of it is Haya. And I know that you're wondering where in the world did she get that name from. I remember in some of the testimonial services that I played in, this certain phrase was being shouted out among the mouths of the saints. And every once in a while I'd hear, Hiya! How many of y'all ever heard one of them mothers shout out, Hiya! That is a Hebrew tongue. And the name of this Hebrew tongue means life.